Yeah, you can't control me. How's everybody doing out there? BK coming at you on a Saturday. It is high noon. Go ahead and please follow me on Twitter at BK Actual. And yeah, just like every week, got tons of stuff to get to. I got some. Gr- I got a ton of great audio lined up. I probably won't even get to it all, but I do have a lot of it. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and jump into it? And you know, you guys know how I like to do it. Uh, I cover the international stories here, and I thought. For the top story, let us start with the Brazilian presidential candidate who got basically prison shanked in a crowd, and he's in critical condition, although it looks like he's going to be okay. And this is uh, Representative Jair Bolsonaro. He is the front runner in Brazil's presidential election, and he is hospitalized in intensive care after being stabbed during a campaign event earlier in the day, and that happened on Thursday. Uh, Now, he is considered a far-right politician. They uh, refer to him commonly as the uh, Brazilian Trump, if you will, although Trump is not really that far-right. He is uh, considered a divisive figure in Brazil, just like Trump is here. You know, he's adored by some, uh, by his tough talk, and reviled by others. Uh, He was So here's how it happened. And if you go ahead and uh, check out my Twitter, at BKActual, I did tweet out a video where the stabbing itself was actually caught on video, and you can uh, you can go check that out. And if you also Google the pictures, there's some insane pictures. I'm reading from the New York Times story right now, and there's a, there's a picture of him, like, at the moment the blade is going into him, and you just see his face grimacing. It's an extraordinary picture. And... He was being carried by supporters through a throng of people, stupidly, as I also commented. I mean, I, I, I don't know, guys. How about some security? <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's just in the middle of a crowd. Like, any schmo could come up and jab him. You know? It's unbelievable to me. You know, I mean, I have a security background. But even if you don't have a security background, you know, in America, we're used to some semblance of security for... Uh, potential elective officials, especially at the federal level. But I guess down there, they're like, oh, you know, no problem. And I'm not going to pretend that I know much about Brazilian politics, which I don't. But I do think it is quite uh, insane that a presidential candidate, was a guy was able to just reach through the crowd with a knife and stab him right in the guts. He was in uh, Juiz de Fora, which is a city in southeastern Brazil, when, yeah, a person lunged towards him and jabs a knife right into his abdomen. Uh, one of his sons, named Flavio Bolsonaro, said that the knife had pierced Mr. Bolsonaro's liver, a lung, and his intestinal tract. Uh, he lost a lot of blood. I read a headline where it said he lost like up to 40% of his blood, which obviously is quite critical. Uh, he did undergo surgery. And he'll be hospitalized for at least a week. He had been in shock from the abdominal bleeding when he arrived at the hospital, said his doctor, uh, Dr. Luis Henrique Borsato. And Dr. Borsato did confirm, yes, these were life-threatening injuries. Now, they did catch the guy, and they are naming him as Adelio Bispo de Oliveira. He was taken into custody by supporters of the candidate immediately 
And then they turned him over to the federal police officers who provide security for Mr. Bolsonaro. That's what I'm reading directly from the story there. Yeah, nice, nice job, guys. Now, police officers at the scene, this guy sounds like a nut, because they are reporting that the assailant said he was carrying out, quote, an order from God, end quote. And now they're, of course, looking into this guy's mental state. Now, the stabbing has been the latest act of political violence in Brazil this year. Rio de Janeiro Councilwoman Marielle Franco was killed on March 14th after assailants opened fire on her car. And days later, campaign buses hired by former President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva the one-time frontrunner in the race, uh, were shot at in southern Brazil. Now, De Silva, he was convicted on corruption, and they've been undergoing a court battle down there what determining because he's trying to run again. And they are now saying he's ineligible to run, in case you were wondering. Uh, now, Bolsonaro is 63 years old. He has an ample lead in the most splintered presidential contest in generation. In a generation, I should say. And a new poll uh, issued this week put him ahead of the pack with 22% of voter support. His next closest rivals are tied with 12% each. Now, similar to Trump, he has earned a fiercely loyal following among a certain segment of Brazilians who find his unfiltered style refreshing. He has promised to restore order to a country suffering from an increase of violence by making it easier for civilians to bear arms and for the police to kill criminals. However, his discriminatory verbal attacks have led to his being charged by the Attorney General this year with inciting hatred against blacks, women, gays, and indigenous people. Um, now, they are, some of the uh, campaign watchers are heartened by the unanimous condemnation of the attack, calling it a rare moment of civility in this campaign. But a political science professor at the State University in Rio is predicting that it make the may, uh, this may make the race even more bitter. Well, yeah, I, I imagine it would be. I mean, the guy just got stabbed by some lunatic. His supporters are clearly going to blame the opposition. And, uh, I mean, come on, you guys know, you guys have been watching presidential politics here in America, and you can imagine what it's going to be like in Brazil at this point. So, um, yes, I'm just uh, scrolling through here. I, I still can't believe, you know, I watched that video over and over again. And it's just crazy to me, especially with Rio, with the problems they have with violence, that you would have, because, yeah. Okay, so if you watch the video, he's being carried on the shoulders of some guy. And, and there's, like, sort of, I guess, guys around him, but there's no, like, standoff. There's no offset, you know what I mean? Like, his if they are security guys, first of all, they're not wearing, like, you know, uh, clothes that would you would think a security guy would wear. They're wearing like regular clothes. And they're all like standing like right next to him. You know what I mean? There's no space. There's no outer ring. There's no cordon between the mob and the candidate. It's just, it, it would it would never work. Um, now, Bolsonaro, some of the stuff, you know, like I said, he, he said he wants to kill criminals, basically. And 
he has indeed said that the country's police should increase their killings of suspected drug gang members and armed criminals. Now, that may play well with wealthy voters, but a lot of the lower socioeconomic class is frightened for that because they fear that they themselves will be victims of police violence. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, I think this is going to definitely boost his profile. It will garner him sympathy. It will uh, make him seem like, you know, this is they're out to get me. They're out to stop me because I'm the one who can change Brazil. So it should be interesting. And I will keep an eye on that and update that uh, story with you guys as it proceeds. Fascinating stuff down there. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly in shock that a presidential candidate in a huge country like that could get stabbed by some lunatic. It's just fucking nuts to me. Now, let's turn to something fun. Oh, boy, I had fun with this, you guys. You know, you guys know one of the... I mean, come on, guys. You know me, right? I really try not to say when I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. I do all the time, actually. And this was one of those occasions. How many times, how many times throughout the years, and before I started the podcast, you guys who read my old soft rep articles, how many times did I tell you that I don't care what you think about females in the military, if they can compete or not, if it's a level pay, playing field or not, and I'm talking strictly in previously closed jobs to females, you know, the combat MOS, the special operations MOS. How many times did you hear me say, this is going to cause trouble in the ranks. How many freaking times? And I'm not even talking about the lowering of standards and everything else. I'm talking about the sociological impacts of this. I mean, I've been saying it for years. So what happened? Well, a first sergeant had an affair with uh, one of the first women to graduate from infantry basic training shortly after she reported to his newly integrated unit late last year. Now, this story is available on the armytimes.com, and the, let us note right off the bat that this actually happened a while ago. They're just now publicizing it. They, so you know they did not want this story to get out. And let's get into the details of it. Uh, this was the first sergeant, was Sergeant First Class Chase Usher who had been serving as the top NCO of B Company 2nd Battalion, 505th Parachute Infantry Regiment. And that is part of the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg. He has been removed from his position leading soldiers and is now serving, serving in a staff role. The division spokesman said, quote, Disciplinary action deemed appropriate by the chain of command was taken against both individuals and has been completed, end quote. Now, that's important because, as I like to do, I was tracking all the woke vet takes on this yesterday. You know, all the guys who have been screaming nonstop about girl power and how women can do anything men can do, and this is uh, the travesty that we haven't allowed women into the infantry and special operations before now. And it was funny. Their, their takes cracked me up. Basically, their main take, take was that uh, the, the funniest one was that it, it's, it wasn't possible for the female to consent because the first sergeant had power over her. 
So therefore, they're like, this is sexual assault. Does that make any fucking sense to you? So on one hand, they're saying that females can do anything men can do. These are grown-ass people. Um, let us entrust this female with the weapons and training and all this other stuff. But on the other hand, she's just a poor, scared little girl who can't possibly be held responsible for her own actions. And there's a lot we don't know. And a lot of that, and a lot of the woke vets take was also like the dude was the aggressor. Now it's possible, but they have no proof for that. They have no proof for any of it because the army is not talking. And clearly, the Army blames both of them because they said they have both been punished. Now, is it a more severe punishment for the first sergeant? And should it be? Absolutely. I mean, he's older. He's the first sergeant. If you don't know what a first sergeant is, it's basically the guy who runs like, you know, the, how can I explain this? Because, and it is a little bit, it's different in the Army than the Air Force. The first sergeant is kind of the guy who runs the show, you know, make sure you get paid and, and, and all this stuff. Now, in the pararescue world, and I can't speak for the Army, and I know it was different in the Army, but in the pararescue world, like, for example, my first sergeant was not a pararescue man. So although he had the respect of being the first sergeant, he was a higher-ranking non-commissioned officer, and he was the guy who took care of us, you know, made sure we had all the stuff we needed, make sure we were getting paid, you know, make sure we, you know, our home life was good. You know, that's part of their job too, kind of playing the the daddy a little bit. But he wasn't a PJ, so he wasn't like a a brother. You know what I'm saying? So he, they were always on the outskirts a little bit. Now, I, I believe in the army, it's not like that. I think the first sergeant, you know, is just is standing shoulder to shoulder as well. But you know, you infantry guys, let me know about that. I'm I can't. I'm gonna plead ignorance on that one. And like I said, the Army's not talking. They declined to disclose the recommendations of this investigation into the affair, which was in January, and would not specify the punishments that Usher and this female received. And they are not naming the female. That's curious, isn't it? They named the dude. Now... Uh, by all accounts, the Army Times article reads, an investigation into the affair found that Usher was a uh, very good infantryman and the relationship did not cause any questions of favoritism in the, in the unit, though the rumors about the two caused a lot of doubt among the soldiers he was meant to lead. Of course, of course he did. One soldier said in a sworn statement, quote, he didn't foster a hostile environment to females at work, but was a horny bastard when it came to his personal life. He often preached to us to look out for females in our ranks and not get into trouble with them and not have relationships with them, end quote. <laughs> it's always those guys, isn't it? It's always the guys screaming the loudest that are fucking doing shit they're not supposed to be doing. Wow. I'm just... uh. I'm just looking through this. Now, how did this how did this come about? So apparently, okay, this so this woman, again unnamed, she got to this unit last August. Dozens of soldiers in the company were aware of her relationship with Usher, which apparently started in September. So this fucking chick hit the unit and then started banging this dude like right off the bat. Now, allegedly this friends with benefits situation was over before January. However, in January, a representative from the website U.S. Army WTF Moments, I've seen them on Twitter, 
reached out to the 80 Seconds leadership with a photo of the two canoodling outside Patty's Irish Pub in Fayetteville, according to the investigation. This photo had already made the rounds in the battalion, thanks to a group text message. And, uh, yeah, so the U.S. Army WTF moments, so they fucking wanted to know, hey, what's going on with the uh, first sergeant making out with this chick? Wow. Uh, The investigator found a couple notable points. He said the investigator, quote, in regards to the command climate, there does not appear to be a climate that fosters sexual harassment or maltreatment of paratroopers. Despite this impression, it must be noted that Usher has allegedly made several inappropriate sexual comments that can form the basis of a hostile work environment. (laughs) End quote. You believe this? This is the army now. This is the fucking infantry. All this so they can have a handful of vaginas in the infantry. Hostile. Oh, sexual. Oh, God forbid infantry guys should make inappropriate sexual comments. Holy fuck, dude. This is hard to believe. Uh, the investigator did find graphic details of his relationship with the, the woman, who was a private, by the way. And, uh, oh, oh, here's a good one. So, you know, this, this investigator, he's basically going around interviewing all the troops, right? And one female platoon sergeant said that Usher, and it's not known if this, it doesn't say if this platoon sergeant, this female is a, you know, infantry or or not. But she claims that Usher told a group of colleagues that he was going to be Thor for Halloween. You know, Thor, the Nordic god, the Marvel movie thing. But would not need to carry a hammer because he already had a comparable tool in his pants, according to the investigation. Oh, that's, that's good. At multiple safety briefs, he encouraged the company to get laid. Again, this is supposed to be very scandalous. You guys, this is fucking... I would, I've heard stuff from infantry dudes and in the team rooms that would shock you. Honestly, you think the stuff I talk about in the podcast is shocking? Trust me, not even scratching the surface. Um, Now, it doesn't say in here if Usher was married. They did call it an affair, and I don't know if they meant that just in a a, a generic term, you know, the the word affair, or if they meant like, hey, he had an affair because he's married. It does not say. So, yes, this is the first instance of an inappropriate relationship between a female infantryman and a member of her leadership to go public. And this was one of the first ones. Guys, this is fucking going to happen over and over again. I told you. I fucking told you. I told you. When they got in the ranks, they're young and full of fucking testosterone and hormones. What do you think they're going to be doing? They're going to be banging. How many fucking times have I said it? Hundreds? This is what's going to happen. And again, like I said in my articles years ago, if he was married or for the next person it happens, it's not just affecting the unit cohesion because now you got the first sergeant yanked, so you got to start all over with some new guy. But what's his, if he is married or when the next guy's married, so that's a destroyed marriage. That's a shattered family. They're, you know, all these people, this, um, the close quarters. Women in infantry, women in special operations, you know, you're going to be going on TDYs with these chicks, you know, away from home, training. What do you think is going to happen? How are the, I want to hear from the wives. I want to hear from wives of soldiers. 
who are in the infantry. Nobody bothered to ask them, I remember. Nobody fucking bothered to ask the wives who are sitting at home fat and pregnant and their husbands are going off to train for two weeks in Hawaii with the, uh, the hot 19-year-old private that just came to the fucking unit. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, God, if you guys think I like being right all the time, I, I don't, okay? Because whenever I predict something, it's always usually bad, and then that inevitably comes to pass. It's a fucking curse, honestly. So yeah, but yeah, good job, woke vets. Yeah, you're right. It, you're right, woke vets. She had nothing to do with it, the private, right? Fucking stupid. That was such a stupid take. Like, I wanted to respond so bad on Twitter, but I'm really trying to rein myself in, you guys. I can't fucking deal with the, that whole crew of woke vets. Thankfully, most of them have blocked me at this point. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Let us move on, okay? It's just This is going to happen more and more. You heard it here first. I'm the only one who told you this was going to happen. I'm the only one telling you it's going to keep happening. And now we have to worry about sexual harassment in the, in the fucking infantry and guys making off-color jokes in the infantry. Fucking hard to believe. Okay, let's keep going. How about this one? I've kind of tried to ignore, as you guys probably know, the for the most part, the Mueller investigation until something happened. And something did happen. And this was the ex-Trump campaign, uh, campaign advisor, George Papadopoulos. He was the guy who actually started triggering this Russia investigation. Well, he has been sentenced to 14 days in prison just yesterday, Friday. After he told the judge he was deeply embarrassed and ashamed for lying to the FBI about his contacts with Russian intermediaries. And yes, that's what they did convict him on was for lying to the FBI. Now, he is the first campaign aide sentenced in special counsel Robert Mueller's ongoing investigation. Acknowledged that his actions hindered an investigation of national importance. A move that the judge in his case said resulted in a 31-year-old putting his own self-interest above that of his country. The punishment was far less than the maximum six-month sentence sought by the government, but more than the probation that Papadopoulos and his lawyers had asked for. Now, in case you don't know who this fucking Jamoke is, he had served as a foreign policy advisor to President Donald Trump's campaign, and he was the first to plead guilty in Mueller's probe and is now the first Trump campaign advisor to be sentenced. Uh, U.S. District Judge Randolph Moss said his deception was not a noble lie and said that he had lied because he wanted a job in the Trump administration and didn't want to jeopardize that possibility by being tied to the Russia investigation. Moss noted that many similar cases resulted in probation, but said he imposed a sentence of incarceration partly to send a message to the public that they cannot lie to the FBI. And of course, Trump chimed in on Twitter as he scoffed at the two weeks of prison time by comparing it to an unverified cost figure for the Mueller probe. The president tweeted the following, quote, 14 days for $28 million. No collusion. A great day for America! Exclamation point. End quote. Now, memos 
that are now declassified, authored by House Republicans and Democrats, show that information about Papadopoulos' contacts with Russian intermediaries triggered the FBI's counterintelligence investigation in July 2016 into potential coordination between Russia and the Trump campaign. Now, uh, Papadopoulos basically used his connections with a Maltese professor named Joseph Mivsud and other Russian nationals in an attempt to broker a meeting between the then-candidate Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin. He admitted last year to lying to the FBI about those contacts with Russian and Russian intermediaries. Uh, false statements that prosecutors say caused irreparable harm to the investigation in its early months. Uh, what is that irreparable harm? Well, they said that the false statements led the FBI to miss an opportunity to interview that guy, Mifsud, Joseph Mifsud, the Maltese professor, while he was in the United States in early 2017. And I have to point this out because please go on Twitter or go on Google and, and Google or Twitter search Papadopoulos wearing a wire because all the very, very smart pundits on Twitter were assuring me and everybody else that Papadopoulos had worn a wire and this was going to bring down Trump. Except in court, prosecutor Andrew Goldstein said Papadopoulos's cooperation, quote, didn't come close to the standard of substantial assistance. It was at best begrudging efforts to cooperate, and we don't think they were substantial or significant in any regard, end quote. Which is, again, when because when the 14-day sentence was handed down yesterday, all over Twitter I saw, oh, I saw all the resistance shrieking. Only 14 days? Well, that means he rolled. That means he got a deal. That means he gave up valuable information that is surely going to drink, bring down the Cheeto Jesus. Except, there you go, I just read the quote from the prosecutor. He really didn't give them anything. Now, the prosecutor again... Goldstein said that Papadopoulos' deception required investigators to scour more than 100,000 emails and gigabytes of data to reconstruct the timeline of his contacts with Russian and Russian intermediaries. Even after his arrest and plea agreement, which did he, he pled guilty last year, Goldstein said Papadopoulos continued to be difficult, only providing information after being confronted with documents such as emails and text messages. Um, the defense attorney, Breen, said that his client's primary interest, again, was brokering a meeting between Trump and Putin. Mm. In court papers, Breen wrote that during a March 2016 meeting attended by Papadopoulos, Trump nodded with approval at the idea of meeting Putin and said that the campaign should look into it. Well, again, it's not uncommon for you know, major presidential candidates to meet with foreign leaders at all. Everybody does it. You know, Hillary did it. Obama did it. Uh, so, anything else on this? Um, <laughs> at the very end of the story, asked if Papadopoulos still remained loyal to Trump, defense attorney Breen smiled wryly and paused. We don't talk politics, he said. <laughs> That's funny. 
So what do you think? Is uh, Trump going to pardon this guy? Probably. Now, the other, uh, in, another interesting thing that swept the media this week was this op-ed that the New York Times wrote by an anonymous supposed senior staffer titled, I am part of the resistance in tri- inside the Trump administration. This is crazy. Now, remember, you guys, remember how many times and how often did you hear everybody making fun of the deep state? And I'm, and I'm doing my air quotes with deep state. I kind of told you, deep state, it, it's, not like a, it's not like a formal thing. It's not like a collection of dudes who meet up you know, and exchange ways they're going to do it. It's just individuals here and there who've decided they don't like Trump and they're going to thwart his agenda wherever they can. That is the deep state. Call it, call it something else if you want to. And everybody, But people ridiculed that idea. Like, oh, BK, that's not happening. Well, clearly it is. This dude can, wrote a fucking whole op-ed about it. And... The Times did take the rare step, they ne- they hardly ever do this, I guess, of publishing an anonymous op-ed. They've, they really don't um, do this very often. Now, this author says, Ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. But we believe our first duty is to this country, and the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. The root of the problem, I'm continuing reading, is the president's amorality. Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision-making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideals long espoused by conservatives. Free minds, free markets, and free people. Uh, In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the enemy of the people, that's false. I have to correct this over and over again. He he said it many... The fake news is the enemy of the people. Uh, This guy, this anonymous official, uh, continues... His erratic behavior would be more concerning if it was not for unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private, they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained in the West Wing. Hmm. Oh, and and here's a a direct quote, too. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state. It's the work of the steady state. Okay, again, tomato, tomato, right? Um, now, he said he goes on to say, on Russia, for instance, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Mr. Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of a Russian, a former Russian spy in Britain. He complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia. And he expressed frustration that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its malign behavior. Hmm. Now, they actually, he went so far as to say that uh, uh, some of the stuff, like they actually, uh, not in this particular op-ed, but on others, they're saying that actually people have taken papers off the president's desk for him not to see. 
Can you fucking imagine if somebody did this to Obama? You think fucking the New York Times would publish an op, an anonymous op-ed if there was some, like, right-wing uh, activist dude who was thwarting the Obama agenda? Yeah, I don't think so. Now, Trump, of course, did respond. <laughs> he was holding a press conference, and I got a little uh, clip here. And uh, they, because the reporters were asking him, I hope the audio is okay. It's kind of a big room. It's a little echoey. But the reporters are asking him, like, hey, what do you think of this op-ed? Let's hear what he says. Hey, hey, I asked the sheriffs, can you imagine this? We have somebody in what I call the failing New York Times. He's part of the resistance within the Trump administration. This This is what we have to deal with. The failing New York Times has an anonymous editorial. Can you believe it? Anonymous. Meaning gutless, a gutless editorial. Guess what? Nobody is going to come close to beating me in 2020 because of what we've done. Someday when I'm not president, which hopefully will be in about six and a half years from now. The New York Times and CNN and all of these phony media outlets will be out of business, folks. They'll be out of business because there'll be nothing to write. We've done more than anybody ever thought possible in it's not even two years so thank you very much okay yeah so he skipped around a little bit there there was like a whole five minute clip but i'm not gonna play a clip that goes on for five minutes so but yeah and now it's all scuttlebutt because now everybody's like everybody's basically like oh well who was it you know who and and everybody's uh, uh you know trying to figure out who this writer was and I've read other stories, though. The thing is, they said the New York Times said senior administration official. And another news source pointed out that, well, that could, the New York Times has a habit of quoting and saying senior administration official, and then it later turns out to be a pretty low level guy. So this could be like any one of hundreds of people. And he's catching flack because people are like, hey, if you fucking think this way about it, then fucking why don't you come public and own it? And I th- that's what I think you should do. If you really feel that, first of all, quit. Second of all, hold a news conference. Say, yeah, this was my title. This was what I did. This was what I saw. Fucking come out and own it. Don't be a little bitch. I don't know. Personally, that's what I think. What else? Oh, yes. Uh, the legendary Burt Reynolds did pass away at the age of 82. Uh, the actor's agent named Todd Eisner said that Reynolds died Thursday morning from cardiac arrest. And, of course, his career was uh, crazy, especially in the 70s and 80s. And it really took off after his breakout film role as Lewis Medlock in 1972's Deliverance, a great film. He went on to appear in nearly 200 films throughout his lifetime. A little bit about Burt Reynolds. He was born Burton Leon Reynolds Jr. in Georgia. And, um, you know, some I, I, was, I was flipping through, and I'll get to this in a minute, but uh, the Daily Mail excerpted some of his autobiography that he wrote. And, you know, his dad was a big war hero. His dad was in, like, fucking, you know, Storm the Beaches at Normandy. Like, no shit, war hero. And he said his dad never talked to him about war at all. But he was a tough dude. The dad came home, and he became like a sheriff. So, you know, he grew up in like a law and order household. Now, Reynolds attended uh, Florida State University for two years on a football scholarship. However, his uh, promising career as a running back was cut short after he suffered a knee injury in a car accident. Yeah, in that car accident, he almost died. 
So then he decided to focus on acting, moved to New York City. And he, you know, kind of got into, like, TV roles here and there. He was in, like, uh, Perry Mason and The Twilight Zone, among others. And, uh, yeah, he would go on to uh, have several marriages. He married Sally Field uh, when they met on the set of the 1977 film Smokey and the Bandit. And then he went on to marry uh, actress Lonnie Anderson in 1988. And he said that, yeah, he probably... Ending his relationship with Sally Field was one of the biggest mistakes of his life. And now, famously, uh, Burt Reynolds is, like, he was one of the guys. He's one of those guys, like, I always love those stories about movie roles that people passed up. You know, like, uh, like, like for example, like the Matrix movies. Instead of Keanu Reeves, they originally wanted Will Smith, and he passed. You know, so he was supposed to be Neo. And... And Burt Reynolds was like that. He was, uh, he, he'd been like put up for all kinds of movie roles. He was up, for example, he was up for the part of Michael Corleone in The Godfather, 1972. But Marlon Brando hated his guts. And he said in his autobiography that Marlon, he actually, he said he grew his mustache because he looked a lot like Marlon Brando. And apparently Marlon Brando resented that the younger Burt Reynolds looked like him. So Marlon Brando actually threatened to quit The Godfather if they brought Burt Reynolds aboard. And then Burt Reynolds was like, I don't want to do it anyway. Uh, He was also up for the original Batman series, the TV series. And uh, Sean Connery was holding out for more money to play James Bond. And the producer came to him and said, we want you to play James Bond. And Burt Reynolds famously said, an American cannot play James Bond. The public will not accept it. And he was also the first choice for the part of John McClane in Die Hard. I think he would have been good in that one. Uh, And he declined the Richard Gere role in Pretty Woman, 1990. And he was also the first choice to play uh, two different Jack Nicholson roles. Uh, They wanted him to play McMurphy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. In 1975, of course, Jack Nicholson won an Academy Award for that. And he also turned down the role of the ex-astronaut in terms of endearment eight years later. And Jack Nicholson got that role as well and got another Oscar Award for that role as well. And further, uh, famously, he also did turn down the part of Han Solo in one of the Star Wars movies. So, Burt Reynolds, man. Fuck, I love the, you know, I still remember watching the Cannonball Run movies as a kid, and I thought, like, man, that guy looks like he's having so much fun, you know, and he he really did look like he was having a lot of fun, um, and his career, you know, kind of got a, he kind of, like, languished for a while, and then he was cast in Boogie Nights, and he received an Academy Award nomination for that, and, you know, he had long-time problems with, like, drugs, alcohol, the usual stuff, so... Uh, it's sad, but, you know, it's going to happen. 82, it's a good run. He had a hell of a run. So rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Now, let's turn to something else I've always talked I've talked quite a bit about, that our main number one geopolitical threat, really, you know, Russia is, I've always, Russia's kind of like a joke in my eyes. Uh, like, seriously, have you seen their fucking aircraft carrier belching smoke? <laughs> you know, it's not even like a real boat. 
Russia's like a fake superpower almost. Yes, they have nuclear weapons. Other than that, the fucking country's a basket case. Now, China, on the other hand, is not. And China is really um, a threat to us. And indeed, our country's top counterintelligence official, William Evanina, they have an excellent story in CBS News. And Evanina is saying China is devoting ungodly resources. That's a direct quote. And increasingly employing more aggressive and more diversified non-traditional means to conduct espionage against the United States. Evanina states, quote, It's a persistent thousand grains of sand. They hit our academia, our industry, our research development, and obviously our government. The FBI has arrested double-digit individuals in the last year or so, all for spying on behalf of China, end quote. You guys ever fucking hear about that? Uh, on all the MSNBC and CNN shrieking about Russia, do you fucking ever hear them talking about this? All the, sp- the, the actual spies we're catching, and not guys who are just posting memes on Facebook like those Russian goobers, like people really stealing stuff? You fucking don't. You never hear it. Because that's of no use to them politically. Now, Evanina, he serves as director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, and that's been his position since 2014. And he says the range, persistence, and variety of operations from China put uh, put it into a category of its own, like well above Russia and Iran. China is number one, he said. Existentially, long-term, they are the largest threat to our national security, bar none. It's not even close. And he's not the only one. FBI Director Christopher Wray, at a appearance at the Aspen Security Forum in July, said China, from a counterintelligence perspective, represents the broadest, most challenging threat we face at this time. Um, yeah, Evanina continues, and he said that China's economic and cyber espionage efforts targeting U.S. intellectual property and critical infrastructure have, after a brief lull, prompted by a commitment made by President Chinese President Xi Jinping and then-President Barack Obama in 2015 have since resumed their original pace. He says it's too successful for the Chinese to stop. And he said especially they noted a marked increase in what they called non-traditional intelligence collection efforts. What are those? Well, these are jobs that aren't in the Chinese embassy. He said it's jobs where they send over engineers, businessmen, and students to do the same type of collection, recruitment, and co-opting of information at a mass scale. Wow. Yep. Pretty crazy, man. I've told you over and over again. China, man. That's who it is. How many people do we have over in China going to their schools? (laughs) You know? It's nuts. Oh, also... Uh, I, I didn't, you know, so we had the Kavanaugh, the Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice hearings. We had that going on. I watched like two minutes of it, and it was a, it, it, it's like, it was like a joke to me. Did you see like the instant they started, 
the protesters started just screaming. And this was all coordinated by the Democrats. Chuck Schumer got on a conference call. And they're like, yeah, okay, here's what we're going to do. Okay, Senator, first you're going to fucking blab, and then this other Senator, you're going to blab, and you're going to cut off. So you don't get to learn anything about what the guy actually thinks because all you have is these Senators grandstanding, which I've talked about before. But on top of that, now you have these crazed resistance protesters in the audience, and they're just shrieking. And, like, one of them is funny. So this first, I have a couple clips. And I tweeted this one out because I could not understand a word this chick was shrieking. It was a chick. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating, guys. See if you can understand a word this chick. I think it's the second chick in this clip. Let's hear how this goes. Yeah, there you go. I, I I think she was saying be a hero, but honestly, I couldn't fucking understand a word she said. So what's the point? And they just did that. They had this clearly like thought out because as one protester would be dragged out, another one would just jump up. And I'm like, why are we even doing this? The, it's, the hearings are on TV. When you know, why would you let a bunch of resistance tards in the room when you know they're just going to sit there and shriek over and over again? That made no sense to me. Now, another one was pretty funny. So because this congressman, a, a protester stood up to disrupt the panel, right? And this one, oh, I'm sorry. So this is a, this is a different protest. I'm sorry. Everything's a protest, guys. So I have my audio clips a little mixed up. But this one was uh, with Jack Dorsey, the Twitter CEO. And this was funny because some congressman decided he had had enough. And as a total coincidence, it turns out that this is my, my buddy uh, on Twitter, uh, Frumentarius, the former Navy SEAL, former CIA officer. This is actually his congressman from Missouri, he told me. I guess this guy used to be an auctioneer before he was a congressman. So he decided to drown her out by starting to do his, <laughs> his auctioneer shtick. So let's hear how this one goes. Here we go. Is it going to come? Yeah, here we go. Order. We'll have order in the hearing room, or you'll be asked to leave. You'll, ma'am, if you'll please take a seat, or we'll have to have you, then you'll need to relieve. Trump, help us. Please help us, Mr. President, before it is too late, because Jack Dorsey is trying to influence the election, to sway the election. What's she saying? I can't understand her. What? the election. That is why I'm censoring and shadow banning. I'm at a damn 12 and a half, 15, 7 and a half, $20, 2 and a half, 5, 7 and a half, 30. Yep, $30 down here, 2 and a half, 5, 30, 5, 7 and a half, 40. Yep, $40, 2 and a half, 5, 5, 45, 7 and a half, 50. Hot $50 down here, 2 and a half, Officer, will you escort this young lady out, please? Yep, 2 and a half, now 5, 65, 7 and a half, 70. What, 2 and a half, now 5, 75, 7 and a half, $80 to 5, 85, 90. Hit $100 on a day and day and day and a quarter, one to quarter, one and a half, and a half, two, two and a quarter. Yep, 2 and a half, and a half, three, you able to bomb three. That's great. I love it. Now, you know who that was? That was actually a right-wing protester. That was that chick, Laura Loomer. I guess she's some, like, right-wing uh, journalist of some kind. But, yeah. 
Uh, so yes, yeah, so but it, it kills me. They're just like standing there. Like, why aren't you? Why are they not immediately being dragged out? It's like fucking. They just let them stand there and like rant and shriek and go on and on. Now the other fucking stupid thing that happened on uh, a couple other stupid things happened. Going back to the hearing with the Supreme Court guy. One of the funny ones was a former Brett Kavanaugh law clerk named Zena Bash. Did you see her? She was the one that was accused of flashing a what they call a white power sign earlier in the week. And she's sitting behind them with her arm kind of like resting on her. Her hand is resting on her forearm. And, and what they're calling a white... Let me, I know this is fucking too stupid to like even think about, but I have to explain what this is. You guys know the okay symbol, like I'm okay, where you have three fingers sticking up and your thumb and your pointer finger is forming a circle? You know, like I'm okay. Hey, that's okay. Well, that's now, so what what happened was a bunch of internet trolls decided to claim that that was a white power sign and then started like trying to make the media believe that that's actually a secret white power hand sign. So now... Even though it's been debunked by the like the you know anti defamation league and all this other stuff as an internet hoax, now everybody, all the fucking resistance lunatics, are convinced that anybody who makes an OK sign, even by accident apparently, is now a secret white supremacist. So this chick Zena Bash, the former clerk, she is by the way a Hispanic and a descent of Holocaust survivors, but. At the hearing, she was accused of signaling to white supremacists because her hand was resting on her arm in an OK symbol. Now, this was all over Twitter, right? So then the next day, and this was funny. Obviously, Zena Bash has seen the massive amounts of news stories devoted to this. So then the next day, now it's obviously on purpose. She did a big yawn, and then she flashed it again, like, really? And the internet was so mad. They're like, see, she's a white supremacist, you guys. And obviously, she was just having fun with it. But uh, her husband is a, actually a United States attorney. And he actually used his official Twitter account to get on there after the first accusations happened. And he said, the attacks today on my wife are repulsive. Everyone tweeting this vicious conspiracy theory should be ashamed of themselves. We weren't even familiar with the hateful symbol being attributed to her for the random way she rested her hand during a long hearing. Yeah, bravo. Except stop saying it is the symbol. It's not. It's not a white power symbol. And now, like, every news story about it was like, oh, she flashed a white power symbol. In other words, they're, they're, they are assuming, yes, it is now a white power symbol. It is not, okay? I'm a fucking graduate of the goddamn Special Forces Combat Diver Course, CDQC, and that is the symbol underwater, meaning I'm okay. And I'm not going to fucking give up my hand and arm signals because some fucking yokels on the internet decided to play a prank and all the fucking left-wing freak resistance tards want to convince themselves it's a white power symbol. Get the fuck out of here. I saw a few people on Twitter saying, well, you know what, guys? We have to be careful when now... And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't seed anything. You don't. F I'm going to do it all the time now. And it's also famously the circle game. You guys know the circle game? It's where you do that okay sign. You kind of put it somewhere on your body. And if <laughs> I know, it's juvenile shit. 
Anyway, that was another funny thing to come out of the stupid, uh, the stupid Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Did I have any other? Uh... Oh, and the other thing. Oh, this one. I know. I have a lot here, guys. So the father of one of the teens that was killed in Parkland, Fred Gutenberg, he made news because he, like, after... Okay, imagine now this hearing is going on. All these lunatics are shrieking all morning long. They called for a break, and this guy, Fred Gutenberg, basically charges up to Kavanaugh as he's standing, buttoning his joke with his hand out, right? And he wants to, like, shake his hand and, like, have a chat. And security runs over, and, they, and Kavanaugh turns away from him. And again, the internet was outraged that Brett Kavanaugh, in the, most in the middle of the most fucking important hearing of his professional life, after being shrieked at by lunatics all morning, the internet was really upset that Brett Kavanaugh didn't shake a stranger's hand and, and sit down for a meet and greet. And I'm like, what are you, fucking dumb? I wouldn't either. And this Gutenberg guy... He uh he was saying he was and then of course Gutenberg had had said on Twitter before the hearing that he intended to disrupt the thing right, and then of course MSNBC and CNN had him on all the shows because they want to get the resistance hits and he went on for a little while. Let's hear what this After guy sounds like. They announced the break to go to lunch. Mm -hmm. well, Senator started you know mingling around. Um, you know Justice Cav Judge Kavanaugh was talking to somebody. I walk up to talk to somebody to the right of Judge Kavanaugh. He was talking to someone to my left. When that conversation was breaking up, I turned around, and I, honestly, I can't remember if I tapped him on his elbow or his shoulder, mm -hmm. but I was trying to get his attention, and I put out my hand to shake his hand. I simply said, hi, my name is Fred Guttenberg. I'm the father of Jamie Guttenberg, who was murdered in Parkland. As soon as I got to the murdered in Parkland, that's where you saw him turn and move and walk the other way, and that's where you saw security start to help direct him. But he was listening to me. All he had to do, all he had to do was extend his hand back and say, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, fuck off, dude. You know, listen to the entitlement. I'm sorry what happened to your daughter, man. That was not the fault of Brett Kavanaugh, okay? How about you fucking be mad at the Broward County Sheriff's Department, dickhead? As I covered extensively how they botched that fucking Parkland shooting from day one? Or how about the FBI who didn't bother to follow up the threats? Gutenberg? How about you fucking confront them? Oh, that's right. It's not politically useful to you. Unbelievable. Like I said, the guy's in the middle of the biggest moment of his professional career, and you think you're entitled to fucking chat with him for a while? Again, after deranged lunatics have been shrieking at him all morning. You believe these people? Oh, man. I actually have a bunch of other audio clips, you guys, but I fucking can't take it anymore, honestly. Let's get to something fun, okay? The, you guys know, this all depresses me. Let's get to something that'll cheer me up. How about this headline? Miami Beach police catch two priests performing sex acts in a car. Oh, no. Yes, two Chicago-area priests were charged Monday with lewd and lascivious behavior and indecent exposure after being caught performing a sexual act inside a car parked on a Miami Beach street. <laughs> uh, now, come on, guy, you know me. I want some detail. Don't just say sex act. Come on, I want to know. What are they, 69ing each other? Because... They, the police report states that the two were performing sexual acts on each other 
in full view of the public passing by on Ocean Drive. So, okay, so they're performing on each other. So are these handy hand jibbers on each other? I mean, what could they possibly be doing on each other? I mean, if they were just banging, you know, you don't, I don't know, would you say if like one guy's like balls deep in the other dude, would you say they're doing it to each other? That's kind of like one guy's doing it to another guy, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, that's funny. So the cops walked up. And when police arrived, it was still going on. And the police report says that these two fucking clowns, what are their names? Diego Berrio and Edwin Geraldo Cortez. Oh, no, it does. Okay, okay, okay. It says they were in the front seat of a car performing oral sex. (laughs) And there were no tints on the window, and it's in broad fucking daylight. And these guys were so fucking into blowing each other, they didn't even know the cops were there. They said that the uh, the officer had to actually tap on the window to get their attention. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, and there is a children's playground right where they were at. That's fucking nice. Dude. Honestly, you guys, you've heard me say it a million times. Is this all? Is this all the Catholic Church is? Is it just a fucking haven for dudes who want to bang each other and little boys? Is that all it fucking is? Is that all it ever was? Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. I feel better. Okay, let's get back into the shitty stuff. Oh, Obama, stupid Obama made an appearance. Yes, he re-entered the national political debate on Friday with a scathing indictment of President Trump. And now, you guys know, it's considered tradition for presidents once they leave office to not meddle in presidential affairs while Obama is deciding hell with all that which I'm glad because once Trump is gone imagine what he's gonna fucking do every day but you know what you guys who are gonna howl when Trump does this shit I'm just gonna point back and say well Obama started it yes he uh assailed Trump as a threat to our democracy and a demagogue practicing the politics of fear and resentment. Oh, even the New York Times writes in paragraph two, in a dramatic break from the normal deference former presidents usually show to incumbents, Mr. Obama ended a long period of public reticence with a lacerating assessment of Mr. Trump. Hmm. Uh, I do have a clip here. Let's see. Well, I I actually have two clips here. Which one's better? Um, Oh, here's one where Obama complains about Fox News, but he says he never shut them down because, you know, again, this is a, a Trump going on and on about the media. Now, let's remind everyone that Obama actually used the Espionage Act to go after whistleblowers who leaked to journalists, and he did that more than all previous presidents combined. But here he is going to pretend he's the uh, friend of uh, the the friend of journalists. It Here. should not be Democratic or Republican. It should not be a partisan issue. To say that we do not pressure the Attorney General or the FBI to use the criminal justice system as a cudgel to punish our political opponents. Or to explicitly call on the Attorney General to protect members of our own party from prosecution because an election happens to be coming up. I'm not making that up. That's not hypothetical. It shouldn't be Democratic or Republican to say that we don't threaten the freedom of the press because they say 
things or publish stories we don't like. You fucking believe the balls on this guy? The balls on this guy. After doing what he did, remember? And they also tried to exclude Fox News from briefing, too. Oh, my God. I forgot how much fucking uh, Obama was a dum-dum. Oh, and he, oh, I have another one. This one's good, too. He uh, he starts talking about Benghazi. And on, on Twitter, Chris Peranto, you know, one of the, the Benghazi survivor. Oh, he was not happy with us. Let's hear how this goes. Over the past few decades, the politics of division and resentment and paranoia has unfortunately found a home in the Republican Party. Oh, okay. Go on. This Congress has championed the unwinding of campaign finance laws to give billionaires outside influence over our politics. Systematically attacked voting rights to make it harder for young people and minorities and the poor to vote. Yeah, I support that. Handed out tax cuts without regard to deficits. Slash the safety net wherever it could. Cast dozens of votes to take away health insurance from ordinary Americans. Embraced wild conspiracy theories like those surrounding Benghazi. What's the, what, what's the conspiracy theory? I mean, a fucking U.S. ambassador died on your watch, you fucking dope. What's the conspiracy theory? He's dead, isn't he? God. Now, uh, they have, and now Trump responded. This is great. I can't see. This is going to go on now, now because now the, the, the dam has burst. Now, Obama's done it. So now it, you're going to see nothing but Obama all the time. And it's going to be great because Trump is going to respond now all the time, too. And Trump did already respond to this. Let's, let's hear Trump when they ask him about uh, Obama's speech. Here we go. Yeah, very popular guy here was just interviewing me. You know who I'm talking about? Great guy. And he said, uh, what do you think of President Obama's speech? And I said, I'm sorry, I watched it, but I fell asleep. <laughs> I found he's very good. Very good for sleeping. <laughs> I think he was trying to take some credit. He was trying to take credit for this incredible thing that's happening to our country. If the Democrats got, and I have to say this to President Obama, and it wasn't him, but it would have been the same thing. If the Democrats got in with their agenda in November of almost two years ago, instead of having 4.2 up, I believe, honestly, you'd have 4.2 down. You'd be negative. You'd be Okay, he's talking about basically the economy because, yeah, that was, I don't have that clip of uh, Obama was trying to. Say, oh, it started under me, blah, 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 blah. Hey, you know what? This is the thing with the president. When you get, the president always gets way too much credit when shit is going good and way too much blame when shit is going bad. That's another thing I've said a hundred times. But that's part of the deal. You get to take all the credit and you get to take all the blame when you're president or when you're the big man, when you're the, you know, the, 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 the boss of anything. That's the deal. So you get both the good and the bad. All right, so that's Obama. We'll see a lot more of him. Uh, back to the military. An infantry battalion commander for the Marine Corps has been fired in the middle of a deployment with the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit, or MEU. And part of the, at least partially fired for allegedly using a term that could be disparaging to members of the LGBTQ community. The Marine Corps Times has learned. Fuck it. Again, you believe this? 
<laughs> These are the infantry guys. Infantry guys who are supposed to fucking kill and fuck. You know, that's what they do. They're infantry. Uh, but apparently, this is Lieutenant Colonel Marcus Maines, and he is the commander of 2nd Battalion, 6th Marine Regiment. And he is alleged to have used the term faggot or faggoty during a meeting with some of the team leaders. So they fired him over a loss of trust and confidence in his ability to lead. Uh, we really don't have any details other than that. But yeah, this was as they were operating uh, in the 5th Fleet area of operations, and that's like Persian Gulf, Horn of Africa area. And some of the other problems, I guess there was a few other problems. Several Marines were charged with and punished for underage drinking while on liberty during a port visit to Italy. Oh, goodness. Goodness me, you guys. I don't want my fucking young Marines who I'm told to go out and kill and break everything fucking in sight. I don't want them drinking, though. Ugh, what a world we live in. What else? I, I'm pretty sure I covered this when it happened, but uh, in, in an update... Do you guys remember the transgender dude who used a fake penis to have sex with women? I'm going to say I did cover that because there's not too many stories with, with that kind of wording that slipped by me. This is Carlos de la Cruz, who was born a woman in Madrid, Spain. Well, he's been jailed. Uh, he admitted penetrating two women with an unknown object without their consent. And... They said that he had refused to allow women to see him naked and always performed in bed with the lights out. So these two women were said to have suffered extreme pain during intercourse. Well, this guy has now been jailed for three years and has been put on a sex offender registry because the judge said that he had caused physical and psychological harm to both women by repeatedly sexually assaulting them with this false penis. <laughs> God. I love this time we're living in. I really do. Uh, Mexican prosecutors have found 166 skulls in mass graves. How about this one? This is in burial pits in the Gulf Coast state of Veracruz. And this is one of the biggest mass graves discovered in Mexico. Uh, all they're saying is Veracruz. Uh, the prosecutor said that for security reasons, he would not reveal the location of the site. Well, Mexican drug cartels frequently use these pits to dispose of their victims. What we do know is that the bodies were buried at least two years ago. And they have not ruled out finding more remains. Uh, the prosecutor said investigators had found 114 ID cards in the field, which held about 32 burial pits. Jeez, this is like savagery. <clears throat> uh, clothes, personal possessions, and other parts of skeletons were also recovered. But investigators focused on the skulls and counting because each skull obviously means one person. Now, Veracruz has been the scene of bloody turf battles between the Zetas and Jalisco drug cartels. And prosecutors were able to find this field because a witness told them that hundreds of bodies were buried there. Uh, they used drones, probes, and ground-penetrating radar to locate the pits and began digging a month ago. 
Wow. Uh, pretty crazy, man. Fucking Mexico. What a fucking basket case that place is. Honest to God. Uh, what else? Oh, I'm, I can't do all these. I can't do all these penis stories at the same time. I'm, just, I'm trying to scroll around a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. Here we go. Here's a couple stories. Just this is the new hotness. I've t- I warned you guys about the 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 new trend of letting people out of jail. So I've got a couple stories that I'm going to reveal to you the extent of it. Let's start in Tennessee, where a youth minister who pled guilty to solicitating an underage girl for sex now has a chance to clear his criminal record. And this is, um, what's this dude's name? Uh, Jason Evan Kennedy was sentenced to only 30 days in jail and six years of supervised probation. If he successfully completes that probationary term, he will have the opportunity to to erase the felony conviction for solicitation of a minor for commercial sex from his record and have his name removed from the state's sexual offender registry. Yeah, it's like it'll fucking never happen. Uh, Evans uh, Kennedy was a 48-year-old father of three. And he was fired from his job as a children's minister at Grace Baptist Church after being caught in an undercover sex sting by Tennessee Bureau of Investigation agents at a North Knoxville hotel last May. Uh, his attorney said that Kennedy, who now lives in Alabama, is receiving counseling. How You can't fix this. You fucking can't, dude. It's in their brain. Uh, the district attorney said that he confessed, this perp, that he had visited prostitutes at least 16 times over the 12 months before his arrest. And the judge now is saying, like, it's kind of against my better judgment, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's this dopey judge's name? Judge Steve Sword agreed to this uh, travesty. And yes, he. this is the judicial diversion, they call this, or pre-trial. Sometimes it's called pre-trial diversion because the case won't even go to trial. And this is like the new fucking trend sweeping shit. Now, the, the prosecutors wanted four years in prison. So the judge said, no, nah, he's a first-time offender, so uh, we'll just keep an eye on him. And if it's all good, he won't even be labeled as a sex offender. I briefly mentioned this because in California, this is the new thing they're trying to do too. And it's pretty scandalous. It's barely in the fucking news out here, you guys. It's shocking to me. But this is what they're trying to do. This is like the new hot thing with the uh, the pretrial diversion. And they actually passed a bill that's calling for pretrial diversion in California for anyone in other words, say, take the guy who just started all those fires. You can claim a mental problem and go on probation and then never go to jail for any crime. Now, there's been a slight pushback, and they're trying to not have it for murder and rape. But right now, in California, you can fucking murder and rape someone and then tell the judge, oh, well, I'm, I have mental problems. And then you get counseling and no jail time. I fucking shit you not, you guys. This is what's happening. And this is the thing that's sweeping the country. California is the trendsetter. 
So what happened here? A Buchanan High School graduate, this is up near, uh, where is this? Uh, it's called Buchanan, was this in Fresno? I don't know exactly, but anyway, there was a graduate. He was accused of wanting to do a mass shooting at his graduation ceremony, right? Well, he's been released from the Fresno County Jail because of this newly enacted mental health diversion program. This guy's name is Kyle Dwell, 18 years old. He, oh, it's in Clovis. He had been held in jail without bail because he told police he was one bad moment away from doing a mass shooting at Buchanan High School's graduation ceremony. He was released from jail after promising Fresno Superior Court Judge Michael Idiart, Idiart, he would seek mental health treatment, wear a GPS monitor, and stay away from guns. His defense attorney said, that he benefited from a new law that Governor Jerry Brown signed this summer that give judges the discretion to order a defendant to undergo mental health treatment in lieu of prosecution of a crime. He is likely the first Fresno County defendant to benefit from this legislation. Now, since he was, ben since he was arrested on two felony counts of making criminal threats, he has been held without bail because of his disturbing comments about doing a mass shooting and committing suicide. Um, now, they said the judge was reluctant to release this guy, but he said he would reconsider his decision after the prosecution hired its own expert to examine Dwell. Okay, so here's the loophole, you guys. Even if the judge doesn't want to do this, Okay, say, uh, say you get a guy who horribly raped a young girl, right? He goes to the judge. The defense attorney says, Judge, my client is crazy. I want to do, do mental health treatment instead of jail. And the judge, say the judge is like has a brain and says, No, I'm not going to do that. Well, they're just going to find a mental health professional who says, No, 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 this is fine. And then when the case is appealed... They're going to say the judge has no mental health training. However, we have this mental health professional who said this guy could benefit, and it's not his fault. He's really crazy, and they'll win. They're going to win on appeal. Dude, I don't know what it is, you guys. They're obsessed with letting people out of jail and not putting people in jail in California. It's fucking crazy to me. Just look for it. Remember, I, remember I, you don't hear this shit from anyone but me. I guarantee you this is coming to your state. If not now, sooner or later. Uh, let's turn to my beloved Air Force. They caught an airman at Cannon Air Force Base, which is in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. That's where uh, all my special tactics bubbas um, do their training. It's like in the middle of the desert uh, before they go over to Afghanistan to smoke dudes. Well... An airman at Cannon Air Force Base was convicted of soliciting a child through an electronic device. Yes, a you believe this? 43-year-old senior master sergeant. That's an E-8 for you military people. And he was convicted of child solicitation by electronic device, which is a third-degree felony. In November of 2015, uh, Benjamin Lehrman, the senior master sergeant, began communicating with what he thought was a 15-year-old girl, and shockingly, it turned out not to be. 
He sent sexually explicit messages and photos of himself <laughs> over a period of several months. They never learn, you guys. Yes, you will be shocked to know that Lerman had actually been communicating with an undercover Curry County Sheriff's Office deputy. You know, honestly, this would be kind. Of, uh, this would be kind of fun. Like, I would. I wouldn't mind like doing this. I wonder if the cops would let me like be like a guest fake fifteen-year-old boy on the internet. You know, to string dudes along until they start sending dick pics. <laughs> I would totally do that. That it sounds like fun. Oh man. Oh, yeah, Elon Musk is in the news. Yeah, you guys probably saw on Twitter that Elon Musk went on Joe Rogan. And they talked about all kinds of stuff, and they smoked some weed. Uh, oh, I have the, uh, yes, I do have a clip of, where is it? Yes, here. so here's Elon Musk, and Joe Rogan pulls out a blunt. If you don't know what a blunt is, a blunt is when you buy a cigar you slice the cigar open, you take out all the tobacco, you replace the tobacco with weed, and then you re-roll the cigar paper. So it looks like a cigar from the outside, but it's actually filled with marijuana. That is a blunt for those squares out there among you. Anyway, so Elon Musk goes on Joe Rogan, and uh, Joe Rogan pulls out a blunt. And apparently Elon Musk has no fucking clue what a blunt is either. So let's hear how this goes. There's a little short clip of it here. The whole joint's... Joe Rogan's lighting it up. There he goes. So is that a joint? Or is it a cigar? No. Okay. It's um, marijuana inside of uh, tobacco. Oh, okay. So it's like posh, pot, tobacco, posh. You never had that? Yeah, I think I tried one once. Come on, man. You probably can't because stockholders, right? I mean, it's legal, right? It's totally legal. Okay. How does that work? Do people get upset at you if you do certain things? There's uh, tobacco and marijuana in there. That's all it is. There he goes. Big old hit. He doesn't inhale, though. The, the combination of tobacco and marijuana is wonderful. First turned on to it by Charlie Murphy and then reignited by Dave Chappelle. There you go. Plus whiskey. There you go. Elon Musk takes a fucking big hit, dude. Oh, man. I don't know. What kind of, you know, he's such a fucking weird guy, man. And I don't know how Joe does that. Like, well, I mean, I could, look, if I was like a guest on a podcast, I could easily smoke weed the whole way through. Being one guy, the way I do it, like nobody else does it, two and a half hours in a row, no breaks, no editing. If I try to like smoke weed during it, oh my God, I'd be a basket case. I should probably try that sometime. Maybe when I get somebody who also podcasts or something like that, like another uh, prominent figure on the show, like if I get my man Terry Shepard on the show, maybe I'll like hand it over to him and I'll just sit there smoking weed and I'll let Terry do all the news while I fucking smoke the weed. I could I could probably do that, but there's no fucking way, you guys, that I could like manage to keep all these stories straight while I was all high. There's no fucking way. Now... So he goes on the fucking show, and immediately the next day, the, the stock completely tanks. Uh, shares of Tesla plunged as much as 9%. When I, when I looked at pre, pre-trading, it was like nine, nine, uh, almost 10%. And this was after news of executive resignations and the video showing CEO Elon Musk smoking pot on the Joe Rogan show. Uh, it did finish, it did re- regain a little bit, the stock, and it, but it did finish like 6.5% down. 
and it extends a painful week for the automaker. Uh, on the week, the stock did lose more than 11%. Now, Elon Musk has had concerns about his recreational drug use in the past. Not really weed, but other stuff. But look, Elon Musk is clearly, he's got a different brain. I'm sure he's got like all kinds of, and I watched part of the podcast because they were streaming it on YouTube live. So I watched part of it live and just watching him talk and his mannerisms, you can just tell the dude's like fucking from another planet, man. That big brain of his. Unfortunately, that doesn't translate. This vision is not translating into a solid business model. That's the problem with Tesla. As great as the cars are, and there's no doubt they're great cars. As great as the technology is, as great as SpaceX is, it's not translating, at least not yet, into a viable business model. It's not a knock on the car. The car itself is a fucking wonder of technology. But all that is not going to help you if you can't fucking pay your bills, which they can't. And they had a bunch of other problems. They had the, uh, the HR chief, the human resources chief. She's leaving the company. And on Friday morning, right after this happened, the company revealed that its chief accounting officer, Dave Morton, had resigned because he saw, he was citing intense public attention. He'd only been at the company for one month. Uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's why he quit. He said, quote, since I joined Tesla on August 6th, the, the level of public attention placed on the company as well as the pace within the company have exceeded my expectations. What, I have no basis for this, but I don't believe that for a minute. What do I think? I think he took a look at the books and said, this is a complete fucking clusterfuck, and I'm not going down with the ship. That's what I think happened. I think this was just a way of, you know, not burning a bridge, leaving the company. And then some fake news happened because uh, the media was reporting that the United States Air Force was reviewing the security clearance of Musk after the marijuana video came out, right? And Fox Business Network and CNBC reported that the Air Force was looking into Musk's marijuana smoking and his security clearance after Musk was filmed smoking pot because uh, marijuana use is prohibited for people with a government security clearance. However, the Air Force did push back on that and said those reports were inaccurate whatever that means. Hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't put much in, I, like I said, the, the Tesla, no doubt. It's fucking a wonder of uh, technology. Just, it's not, it's not working though. Well, how about some more political news? Uh, st yeah, did you, I think I talked about this last week or the week before, this nutty states, New York State Senate candidate, Julie, Julia Salazar. She's the Democratic Socialist candidate. And she's the one who's making up all this shit about being an immigrant and how her family like grew up poor and they're not. Yeah, I talked about that a little bit, right? Well, more's coming out about her. She was arrested in 2011 on allegations of fraudulently attempting to access the bank account of Kai Hernandez, a family friend and then wife of baseball star Keith Hernandez. The incident was chronicled in police reports, court records, and audio files, all of which have been attained by this tabletmag.com. The key evidence was a phone call recording made by UBS Bank of an individual posing as Ms. Hernandez in an effort to access her account. Despite this arrest, she was 
ultimately not charged. Now, on December 14th, 2010, after being played the recordings by her banker, apparently they they record every phone call coming into the bank, Kai Hernandez said she recognized Salazar on the voice as the voice on the phone and subsequently filed a police report. Um they interviewed her uh like months later. This is I don't understand our justice system, you guys. December 14th, 2010 is when Kai Hernandez is being played her recordings. They don't interview her until March 23rd, 2011, like four months later. And they were pla- she was placed under arrest. <laughs> I, I encourage you to go read the story, and I do. There are recordings at tabletmag.com. I'm not going to play them. Well, let me just, I just want to, I wonder if you can even hear any of this. Um, they're pretty long record. Here's here's a little bit of it. Thank you for calling UBS. This is Nick Canati. May I have your name and account number, please? Um, hi, my name is Kai Hernandez. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if this is the right account number. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, does, uh, are there two letters in front of that? Um, I think it's JG. Okay. And if you can please verify the last four digits of his social and date of birth. Um. Okay, so it goes, there's a lot of, they're beeping out all that stuff. But yeah, they actually have the uh, the audio of it. And the detective said that the caller correctly provided Hernandez's date of birth, the last four digits of her social security number, her UBS account number, and UBS online services username. With this information, the caller was able to add another email address to the account, the account and receive a new temporary password there. <laughs> this is fucking unbelievable. Now, uh, in fairness, I will add the... After this story was published, they received the tablet magazine received a statement from the lawyer for Julia Salazar saying that Kai Hernandez's bizarre and fraudulent attempts to defame and victimize Julia were recognized as baseless by the authorities who declined to file charges. Hmm. Interesting stuff. I don't know. Like, well, then why weren't why weren't charges filed? Then I don't I don't get this. This chick's fucking batshit crazy anyway, though, dude. Even the New York Times, even the New York Times, who's fucking got his, their faces buried in Salazar's crotch, they had to publish a story saying that, you know what, you might want to look for somebody else here because scrutiny of her history has revealed numerous inconsistencies in her background. Again, like I told you last week, most of the discrepancies center on her self-portrayal as a left-wing Democrat, an immigrant from Colombia, a Jewish woman with an Ivy League pedigree. However, she used to be a registered Republican at one point and was the leader of a right-to-life group while attending Columbia University, which she did not graduate from, though her website implies that she did. And she is also not an immigrant. She was born in South Florida and lived there. And she was born into a Catholic family. And she now identifies as Jewish. Okay, that's weird to me. I don't trust anyone who makes a radical life change as an adult. And, and in your 20s, you are a fucking adult. You know, to, like, to go from... I, that's just... It's strange to me. 
So clearly, this chick is a total fucking grifter who's assigning labels to herself because she perceives that it's valuable in her attempt to be elected to the state senate. That's fucking it, you guys. And if she's willing to lie about all this, this is the little shit. This is a fucking total grifter. But she'll, you know what? She'll probably get away with it because she's young and Latina, and that's all that fucking matters. Oh, and she's a socialist, a proud socialist. And they even interviewed her brother, Alex Salazar, who's two years older than her. Remember, she said that she had like oh, this hard scrabble working class childhood. Well, they actually grew up in a sprawling waterfront home with a maid and attended private school in Florida. And apparently the brother, he sounds like he's a little fucking irritated with all this. The brother said, quote, I have to sit here and listen to lies about who he was, the father, and who we are. And we are not talking just about airbrushing. We are talking outright lies, end quote. Yeah, fucking stinking liar. Watch, she'll still, guys, she'll probably fucking still win. Uh, we had an update on the uh, Cranberry singer, Dolores O'Riordan. Remember, I covered that extensively when she passed away. Well, the inquest has concluded, and... Wow, this is, this is crazy. They say that she accidentally drowned in a bathtub after drinking. Yeah, remember I had all kinds of questions on that. I was like, well, because it didn't say. It just said she was found in her hotel room, and I was like, well, what, is this drugs, a, a health condition, heart attack? But yes, a police officer said that a pajama-clad O'Riordan was found submerged in her bathtub at a London hotel. And they found five miniature alcohol bottles and a bottle of champagne in the room, and toxicology tests revealed a blood alcohol level four times the legal limit. And they also found in her therapeutic amounts of prescription medication. They do not hmm, they do not say what the medication was. And she was that's weird. She was in her so she was in her so she she had her pajamas on and then she took a bath and then passed out drunk and drowned. Wow. Uh very sad. Don't mix fucking pills and booze, you guys. I don't care what kind of pill it is and what kind of booze it is. Bad shit is going to happen. It always fucking does. Who's the other guy who died? Do I even uh the rapper? What's his name? Mac Miller. He just fucking died uh, of an overdose. I had never, actually, I had never heard of Mac Miller, but apparently he was pretty popular. But, uh, yeah, he was a young rapper. I didn't know his music, so I didn't bother playing it on the opening. But uh, he was only, like, what, 26, 27 years old, and they found him fucking dead, overdosed. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know why people take downers anyway. If I'm going to take drugs, I want to be up, personally. You know what I mean? I don't want to be all down. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Mac Miller. He was, uh, he was 26, and he was a he was from Pittsburgh, but he died Friday at his home in the San Fernando Valley of California. Very sad. I'm telling you, don't do the drugs, you guys. Stay off the drugs. This story kind of threw me for a little loop as well. There's a story going around about the New York City Ballet. Now, I don't know about you guys, but yes, I when I think ballet, I think the stereo, the, the stereotypical stuff. I mean, I just assumed all male ballet dancers are gay. Well, I didn't assume all of them were. I assumed a great majority of them were. But apparently, these guys were, like, getting down. 
uh, they there's a ongoing, uh, an unfolding scandal happening in the ballet where male dancers and staffers traded explicit photos of female ballerinas. And one donor suggested tying up girls so they could abuse them like the farm animals they are. Yes, a student dancer, 20 years old, filed the explosive claims on Wednesday in a suit against the ballet company and her ex-boyfriend, a guy named Chase Finley, who until last month was a principal dancer. She alleges that he shared with other male dancers, employees, and donors pictures and video clips of their sexual encounters that he'd secretly recorded. She alleges Finley, 28 years old, wrote to other men in the company, quote, you have any hot pictures of girls you fucked? I'll send you some hot ballerina girls I've made scream. <laughs> uh, and, this, and this prompted the ballet bros, as the New York Post writes, to respond with their own X-rated photos of dancers from the New York Ballet Company. Yeah. Dude, this I, I this has completely changed my perception of the male ballet dancers. These dudes are like fucking frat boys in tights. So uh, yeah, they have a lot of uh, very good detail. She the one who lodged a lawsuit claims that Finley participated in a group chat where a ballet benefactor. So they were in a group chat with not only other ballet dudes but like people who donated money. So a ballet benefactor suggested they quote, get like half a kilo of cocaine and pour it over the girls and just violate them, end quote. Finley responded with two thumbs-up emojis. <laughs> and in another text chat, Finley talked about recording and selling footage of this girl naked and performing sex acts. And these photo and video exchanges became so widespread that while swapping snaps... With one of the guys, Finley replied, I've already seen that one. I know you have more. Wow. Who'd have thunk, man? The fucking male ballet fucking guys. Uh, out back, let's go back out here to California. There is, you guys should go Google this story because they have some surveillance footage. A Fontana family has been living in fear after a suspect broke into their home and masturbated in the room of one of their 13-year-old daughters. Oh, this is every fucking parent's worst nightmare right here. The suspect was identified as Jonathan Ward, 21 years old. He broke into the home about 2.45 in the morning on August 30th. He can be seen in surveillance footage motioning with his index finger to his lips at the surveillance camera. Hmm. So he knew where the surveillance camera was? And then, going upstairs to the girl's room where he stood over her and begins to masturbate. The girl woke up and screamed, and he ran downstairs and out the door. Holy... Oh, good. Officials said the suspect had been in court for a similar offense in 2017, <laughs> about 24 hours before this attack. So 24 hours earlier, he was in court answering for a charge of doing the exact same fucking thing. This is the stick. So, so let me ask the pretrial diversion fucking mental health guys. Are you going to cure this guy? He's 21 years old, and he's already been caught doing this twice. You think he's ever? You think you're going to cure that? Ugh. 
Dude, I'm exhausted already, you guys. I'm struggling today. What time is it? Oh my god, I still got a ways to go. All right, we got to we got to keep going. Let's fucking do it. Uh, a couple financial, another financial stories. Uh, United States manufacturing is at its highest level in more than 14 years. This is what I keep screaming about, you guys. America is killing it on every measurable level. We are just just crushing it right now. But what do you hear from all the resistance tards? Oh, this is the worst time ever. We're living in a fucking hell. That's why I just roll my eyes and laugh at them. That's right. In August, economic activity in the U.S. manufacturing sector hit its highest level since May 2004. Um, Sales of factory-made products, output, and employment all increased in August while inflation slowed. That is a great combination right there. Uh, in uh, here's some numbers for you. According to the Institute of Supply Management, the uh, ISM, Institute of Supply Management, their August manufacturing index was 61.3, above the 57.7 economists were expecting. Of the 18 manufacturing industries, 16 reported growth in August. Oh, yeah, fucking humming along, you guys. And further... U.S. wages jumped 2.9% in August alone. That is its biggest increase in average hourly wages in seven years. Uh, the nation added 201,000 jobs, exceeding the analyst's forecast of 190,000. The unemployment rate remained unchanged at 3.9%. And... Um, yeah, dude, basically, guys, we're firing in all cylinders right now. That's why I don't fucking get the doom and gloom. I just don't. And, you know, for all the, you know, you guys have probably seen the media screaming about political violence. I didn't even fucking hear this story until I was searching for stories to prep for the podcast. A Republican Party office in Wyoming was set on fire just two days after opening. And, yes, police believe it was intentional. Did you guys even hear about this with all the fucking hand-wringing about political violence? No. It's funny how they only, like, publicize certain political violence, isn't it? Yes, Laramie Police Department spokesman Steve Morgan told the Daily Caller News Foundation they do believe the fire was set intentionally. And again, this was only uh, two days after the office opened, period. The fire damaged the building's interior but was otherwise limited thanks to a passerby who called authorities. Now, this is just the latest Republican office to be vandalized. In, uh, in July, vandals in Nebraska threw a brick through the window of a local GOP office and left behind a spray-painted message in all caps, ABOLISH ICE! And then a month before the 2016 election, a North Carolina GOP office was firebombed. And a building adjacent to it was spray-painted with graffiti reading, quote, Nazi Republicans get out of town or else, end quote. I keep trying to tell, you guys, I keep trying to tell the boomer Republicans and the moderate Mitt Romney-type vanilla Republicans who get very super upset with Trump's tweets, I keep trying to tell them, I'm like, dude, you're the Nazi. Do you fucking not get that? They look at you like you're a Nazi, and they don't believe me. They think, no, 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 I'm, I'm not. I'm not one of those. And I'm like, to them you are, to the resistance you are. 
They don't want to believe me. Uh, let's get an update on that Molly Tibbetts thing. You guys remember this? This is the Iowa student who was killed by the illegal immigrant. <laughs> this is comedy to me. Okay, so the story was this guy who is named uh, Christian Bahena Rivera. That's the guy who killed Tibbetts, right? And he was working at a, was it a dairy? Yeah, a dairy farm. And this dairy farm was owned by a prominent Republican family. Well, they got some questions to answer now because this guy had an alias. And the, the, the name he gave the employer was John Budd. Okay, let me fucking stop here. So you got a guy, I don't know how good his English is, but you got an illegal immigrant, shows up at your farm, right? If he does speak English, it's with a very heavy accent, and then he presents an ID card to you that says John Budd. I mean, God forbid we do a little fucking profiling slash common sense here. I don't believe that's your name, bro. <laughs> Come on. Now, the farm, remember when they came out and they said, no, 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 we ran his name through E-Verified. They did not. They ran his name through a social security database, but he had a real social security number that had been stolen. So the social security number comes back good. They did not run him through E-Verify. So now the employer, Yara B Farms, they're in fucking trouble. And they're defending themselves. Uh, because they say they cannot discriminate against workers based on how they look or how their names sound. Okay, this is... Yes, and he presented an out-of-state photo identification and social security number when he was hired in 2014. The farm says they follow legal requirements to examine the documents and determine that they appear genuine on their face. Yes, this is all lawyer talk. Here's... Let me... There's a bunch of stuff in here about, uh, oh, yeah, here, here you go. The farm did not use the government's voluntary E-Verify system. And the manager apologized for a mistake in falsely claiming to have used E-Verify in an initial statement. Remember that? But yeah, this is all ass covering. I mean, what? Here's I'm going to go out on a limb and say here's what's happened. I'm sure this farm gets all kinds of immigrants with shady documents, and as long as they look fucking kind of real on their face, the farm's just going to be like, okay, you're in. Unfortunately for them, this guy killed someone, and now the farm is in fucking deep shit. But, come on, you, you think they really fucking looked at them too hard? Of course not. And now they're using the, well, we can't discriminate, as like a shield? Yeah. I'm sure this happens all over America at every farm there is. But luckily, all the automation is coming, so we won't have to deal with it too much longer. Um, now, continuing on some of the uh, illegal immigration news, California Governor Jerry Brown signed a bill into law that allows illegal immigrant students to hold elected positions on California college boards. That's nice. It's just a creeping effect out here, you guys. What they want to do is make it so illegal immigrants are part of the fabric of everything until they get full voting rights. The, the, the end goal is to erase all differences between citizen and non-citizen. That's the fucking goal. Now, they can't just come out and do it right away. It's the old, you know, thousand cuts routine. They start off with all the reasonable stuff. Oh, no, let's just give them driver's licenses. Oh, no, let's just elect them to college student boards. Let's just give them in-state tuition. It's no big deal. 
But you do that over and over and over again, and pretty soon the difference between you, the citizen, the taxpayer, and the illegal immigrant is pretty much nothing. It's just frustrating that people don't understand this. Oh, and uh, there is a drunk illegal immigrant driving a horse trailer that killed an Oregon couple on a motorcycle after running a red light. That's nice. Yep, in Salem, Oregon, yet another casualty of the constant uh, illegal immigration war. And nobody care- Nobody covers this stuff except for me, you guys, barely. This is Eduardo de la Lima Vargas, 39 years old. He's facing manslaughter and other charges following an incident which occurred on August 19th, and this was in Salem, Oregon. He ran a red light, hit uh, what uh, their names are Jessica and Logan Wilson, a couple. They were taken to a hospital where they were declared dead. And yes, ICE said Vargas is from Mexico and has been living in the United States illegally. And, uh, and as always, my first question would be, has he had previous law enforcement contacts by the Sanctuary City, perhaps? And let me scroll through this story, and oh, what do you fucking know? He had a DUI in 2001, but had been allowed to go into a diversion program instead of facing potential conviction in a criminal record. How about that, guys? How about that one? There's the diversion program again. Aren't these diversion programs nice? Just wait. Wait till this sweeps sweeps nationwide. Wow. Yep, he first arrived in the United States 18 years ago and has gone back to live in uh, New Mexico a couple times. Oh, wow, this is sad. They have a picture of the couple that was killed. They leave behind three children. Oh, I wonder if you think, hey, guys, you think MSNBC is going to have this story? What about these kids? You know, they're always screaming about the separated children. Here's three little fucking children who are never going to see their parents again. They've been separated permanently, fucking Chris Hayes. What about them? You going to fucking cry face on MSNBC about the three American kids who've been separated from their parents permanently? You fuck. I fucking had it, you guys. I'm getting fired up now. I'm getting fired up all over again. How much time do I have? (laughs) All right, let's continue. Um... Oh, and in in further uh, illegal immigration news, the uh, Atlanta mayor has ordered the city to end all relationships with ICE and remove all of the ICE agency's detainees from their jail. Yeah. Hey, elections have consequences, you stupid fucks. Atlanta mayor Kaisha Bottoms. This is the new mayor, I believe. Wasn't she just elected a couple months ago or something like that? Yeah, she uh, said uh, she ordered the city to stop holding ICE detainees. They had 205 detainees counted in June, and as of Thursday evening, they had just five left. And you know what this fucking buffoon said? She said, quote, We will no longer be complicit with a policy that intentionally inflicts misery on a vulnerable population. End quote. You fucking believe this? What do you think they're in jail for? They're in jail because they fucking committed a crime. Wow. Guys, this is fucking hard to believe. Uh, I, I, they're, they're, in j- they're letting fucking prisoners go. It's fucking shocking to me. Wow. 
Uh, she is a Democratic mayor, of course. So good luck, guys. Good luck, Atlanta. And you know what? When uh, when when the inevitable crime spree continues, and you're fucking a victim of somebody who was supposed to be deported, don't fucking come crying to me about it. I tried to tell you. Uh, there was an upset, uh, a little more political news. There was an upset uh, earlier this week uh, in Boston. And a... Come on, fucking Washington Free Beacon. Just fucking reload already. Uh, a uh, incumbent was upset in a Democratic primary by a woman named... Um, Ayanna Presley, and she beat a well, something like a ten-term congressional incumbent or something like that. So she is will almost certainly be the next member of Congress from that district since it's a uh, heavily Democratic district. So they're starting to look into her background. Well, she's done some stuff that's uh, raised some eyebrows, like appearing at a mosque that has played host to numerous radical figures during her primary campaign this year. Yes. One of the speakers at this mosque was a guy named Dr. Wesley Muhammad. And this is Boston's Muhammad Mosque number 11. And he gave a lecture titled, The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, The Homosexual Conspiracy. <laughs> Months earlier to that, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorist Christopher Boland gave a lecture on his views that Zionists and Israelis were behind the 9-11 attacks. Well, she decided to campaign outside the mosque in July. Uh, she had been a former city councilor, and she defeated, yes, a 10-term congressman named Michael Capuano. Now, Michael Capuano was also a uh, big-time left-winger, uh, but I believe he was also a white male. And Ayanna Presley is a black female. So, you know, that's much more woke than a boring white male, of course. So she uh, defeated him, and she's probably going to be the next congresswoman. So we got a congresswoman who's gladly appearing at mosques that host all kinds of conspiracy theories. Again, nobody will report on that other than me. Uh, Bristol Palin is in the news. Remember her, remember, her husband, was she was married to Dakota Meyer, Medal of Honor recipient, right? And they ended their short but I'm sure passionate marriage earlier last month well uh, it's getting ugly on social media because uh, Meyer who's 30 years old by the way he's been sharing since deleted screenshots of text that Bristol Palin sent him that had alleged, she had, no, I'm sorry, she didn't send them to him. She had sent texts to another man in which she bashed Myers' decorated Marine service in Afghanistan, according to the Daily Mail. Now, Dakota Meyer, of course, served in the Marines for four years and was awarded the Medal of Honor by President Obama in 2011. Then he met Bristol Palin, and it all pretty much went down from there. Now, in this exchange, Dakota Meyer says, Bristol Palin wrote that he is a coward and a bitch before suggesting he did not deserve his Medal of Honor. Wow. He, yes, I'm quoting right now. She said, quote, he's no hero. He didn't do that shit. He's a bitch, Ex uh, end quote. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, that's not a fucking road you're going to want to go down there, Bristol. 
I mean, especially a, a Palin of all people. These fuck. This whole family is like weird, man. Uh, the Nike campaign made waves this week. Yes. By Nike doubled down. And they picked Colin Kaepernick to be the face of their new campaign. This, I, this cracks me up. It seems to be working because uh, Nike's online sales grew 31% from Sunday through Tuesday of Labor Day weekend this year. That's notably better than last year's 17% seasonal increase. And, you know, th this fucking, this, this kills me, you guys. Like, first of all, how are you going to have a guy... This is like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So he's getting, he's got a shoe con. They're, not only did they make him the face of an ad campaign, he's going to have a whole clothing line. This is usually reserved. Having your own signature shoe, having your own signature clothing line, that's usually reserved from the very top people in the field. You know, guys who are actually playing. So let me get this straight. He's going to be making millions of dollars a year. And yes, I did read a story where they said this type of deal is in the millions of dollars a year. So he's making millions of dollars a year now without having to practice, without having to show up to work, without having to play, and without having to be any good. I, you got you to gotta love America. You fucking got to love it. What a deal. You can't get a better deal than that. Even if a guy has a better deal... That guy still has to, like, you know, show up, perform, be good. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to be woke and keep growing out his afro and be, be, uh, have his girlfriend be that weirdo, uh, radical Muslim chick. Hey, man. I ain't hating the player. That's the way it is. Good for him, man. Good for him. All right, uh, pop quiz. Again, this is a, uh, a follow-up story. Who is Saifulo Saipov? Okay, you guys figure that one out? Well, if you guessed he is the bike path terrorist who was accused of mowing down dozens of people and killing eight in an ISIS-inspired attack in Manhattan last year, ding, ding, you got it. Well, he's in the news because his defense lawyers are arguing that Trump's tweets about their client's case have made it impossible for the Justice Department to fairly seek the death penalty in his case. Specifically, they claim Attorney General Jeff Sessions is getting pressure to make politically charged decisions to please Trump, who has also called for Saipov to face the death penalty in tweets. His federal defenders said in a filing, quote, a decision not to seek the death penalty would expose the decision maker to a blaze of public scorn and ridicule as well as the possible loss of employment, end quote. Yes, so it, it, regardless of whether Trump tweeted or not, if you didn't seek the death penalty, you would still be exposed to public scorn and ridicule. I know I would fucking ridicule you. Oh, here's what I was looking for the tweet. Here's what Trump tweeted last year. Quote, should move fast. Death penalty. End quote. And death penalty is in all caps. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't think, I don't know if that's going to work or not. And another follow-up. We, I talked about the, uh, 
I talked about that GoFundMe story, and I know a lot of you guys are interested in that. And this is, of course, that New Jersey couple who put the GoFundMe out for the homeless dude who helped out the uh, the chick, and they raised four hundred grand. And then now it's blown up in this big thing because they didn't want to give the guy all the money because they said he'd just blow it on drugs, which he he did a lot of it already. Well, police have raided their home, and. They've been ordered by a judge to appear in court to explain what happened to the $400,000 they raised online for this homeless good Samaritan. And footage taken from the scene showed a shiny black BMW being towed away from the Bordentown property owned by Katie McClure and Mark D'Amico. That's the couple who raised the money. Um, And they also gathered up a bunch of stuff in bags, law enforcement did, and carted it away. Um, yeah, Superior Court Judge Paula Dow said that they must show up in court next week for deposition in a suit followed by, uh, I'm sorry, filed by Johnny Bobbitt, that's the homeless veteran, over the whereabouts of the hundreds of thousands of dollars raised for him via GoFundMe. Recall, if you don't know the story, Bobbitt's story went viral in late 2017 after he gave McClure, the chick, his last $20 for gas when she was stranded. So then she set up a GoFundMe page for him. It went viral, and they raised four hundred grand. Eventually, the relationship soured sometime. After Bobbitt received roughly $75,000 of the funds, he used the money to purchase a camper and SUV, but has admitted he squandered some of the cash on drugs, <laughs> and he no longer has the camper or the SUV. Yeah, how about he squandered all of it on drugs, and then he sold his camper and SUV for money to get more drugs? Hmm. Um, what else in this? But basically, um, yeah, they were ba- they ba- they tried to say like, look, we're not going to give him this money because he's just going to spend it on drugs. And I my my thing from the beginning was all the, all always like, dude, you raised it in his name; it's his money. If he fucking kills himself on drugs or spends all the money. What do you care? I don't know. That's funny shit. And yeah, they, they ended up, they wanted to cut, clearly. So they ended up spending some of the money on this BMW and gambling and some other shit like that. And then I read a story, like GoFundMe, and it was very vague because GoFundMe said, hey, we're going to make this right. And the headline was GoFundMe was going to give the dude 400 grand, but then I read the story and the story was like no no, we're just going to give him the balance on whatever's left. So I'm I'm kind of unclear. I I fucking really doubt GoFundMe is going to just give out some of their own $400,000 to this guy, especially since he's just a junkie. I don't know, maybe there's a couple bucks in there. I would just fucking give it to him and then wash my hands of the whole thing, frankly. It seems like a giant mess. What else do I have? Uh, Fasting, you know, the act of fasting, which has been around for thousands of years. Well, there's a new study out there from the National Institute on Aging, and it says that intermittent fasting could be the key to longevity. A group of scientists found that increasing time between meals improved the overall health of male mice and lengthened their lives compared to mice that ate more frequently. Perhaps even more surprisingly, the health benefits were seen regardless of what the mice ate or how many calories they consumed. 
I'm all about I'm about the intermittent fasting, you guys. Especially, it might not be. It's probably not the thing if you're like very physically active and you know you're working out a lot because you need fuel in that case. But if you're like overweight, if you're an older person, if you're overweight, your diet hasn't been too great in the past, and you want to lose like 20, 30 pounds, I very highly recommend it. And you can start off slow. Basically, intermittent fasting, the, the, the traditional way of doing it is you have like an eight-hour window of the 24-hour day, right? Within that eight-hour window, you do all your eating, okay? So let's say um, from noon to 8 p.m. is when you do your eating. You can eat the whole way through that if you want. A couple big meals or a bunch of small meals, whatever you want to do. But at 8 p.m., you stop eating. From 8 p.m. on, it's only water. Okay. Or like green tea is fine, but don't with nothing added. Black coffee is also fine with nothing added though. No cream, no sugar. And the other 16 hours a day, you don't eat anything. Now I've done this personally and I can tell you at first, like the first couple days were kind of hard. Like I felt hungry and then your body kind of adjusts and you really don't feel hungry anymore. And then a lot of people start shrinking that eight hour window. There's people who fast for 20 out of the 24 hours. Some people only have a two-hour eating window. But try to see if you have a few pounds and you want to get rid of it, give it a shot. Just eat for that eight hours. And, you know, if you think you're going to be hungry, eat a big fucking meal and eat it right before the eight hours is up. You know, you don't have, you can do it all the way up till 8 p.m. If you do try it, let me know. I'm curious to uh, see how it works for people. I know it's worked for me personally when I was, uh, I wanted to lose a few pounds once and I started doing it and I felt great. So, um, yeah, get on that. Let me know how it works at uh, at BK Actual. We hadn't updated that Novichuk poisoning. You guys remember? I'm fascinated with that one. That's the the in Salisbury, England, where those do where those people have been poisoned by the that uh, Russian nerve agent Novichuk. Well, they've identified a couple of the guys who they think did it, named Ruslan Borishov. I'm sorry, Ruslan Boshirov and Alexander Petrov. And authorities in Britain are identifying these two guys as assassins sent by the Russian government to poison a former spy living in England. And this is still hard for me to believe that these guys are professionals. It seems so fucking amateur. Again, why? why this is the question I asked day one. Why would you use an easily traceable rare nerve agent when you can just hire some thugs to like fucking follow them down a dark alley, bash them over the head, make it look like a robbery, and, and that's it. Instead, you use this poison that was for sure only manufactured in the Soviet Union and was guaranteed to cause a huge international incident. So it's there's only two possibilities. It's either hubris or incompetence. In other words, either Russia didn't give a shit, who knows, or these guys were just fucking stupid and incompetent. I don't know what they think. Nobody would notice a rare poison nerve agent used in Britain. That doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, I've talked about the New York Times videos before. Sometimes they have really good videos. And they, had, they did one on these guys. And they kind of talked about how the authorities were able to track, uh, you know, from the moment they landed in England to how they actually, you know, did the deed. And if this fucking, 
page, whatever. I swear to God, you guys, the, the pop-ups, they're fucking killing you right now. I get it. You need to make money. But in the meantime, it's, it's frustrating because I'm trying to like click on a story and I get pop-up after pop-up after pop-up sometimes. And then I have to start stalling and talking to you guys about bullshit like I am right now. Okay, here we go. Um, let me back this up and let's start this little, it's a like a little two-minute uh, clip here. Let's hear what the New York Times says about how these two guys and how surveillance cameras track down the two Russians. Here we go. Two Russians have been accused of an assassination attempt using a nerve agent called Novichok. The target was Sergei Skripal, a former Russian spy living in Britain. He's filmed here in a local shop days before he was targeted. He and his daughter Yulia fell seriously ill from exposure to Novichok, but survived. Security footage allowed police to track the two suspected hitmen as they entered Britain and scoped out their target over two days. March 2nd, they fly from Moscow to London's Gatwick Airport. They check into a hotel in East London. March 3rd, they take public transport to Salisbury, where Mr. Skripal lived. They stake out their target for several hours. March 4th, they return to Salisbury by train. Minutes later, a camera films them walking past this gas station, just a short walk to Mr. Skripal's home. This was moments before their attack, police say. They're transporting the nerve agent in a perfume bottle. It's then sprayed on the front door handle of Mr. Skripal's house. Wow. Soon after, the men are seen returning to Salisbury train station. They are last seen that evening at Heathrow Airport. At 10.30pm, they leave London for Moscow. By then, Mr. Skripal and his daughter had been found unresponsive on a park bench. They were hospitalised and eventually recovered. Months later, two Salisbury residents found the discarded perfume bottle and were also hospitalised. Dawn Sturgis died from exposure and her partner, Charlie Rowley, became seriously ill. Police believe the two hitmen travelled under aliases and have asked Russia for help identifying them. Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, Russia's going to be like, oh, I've never saw those guys before. God, that's some like real like movie shit, isn't it? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I don't know. I guess these guys really just thought that it would be no big deal that uh, a fucking uh, a guy would be found like unresponsive, and they were incompetent on top of everything else. They didn't even succeed in the mission. That's crazy to me. Like honestly, they never even would have. They probably barely would have looked into it if they just made it look like a robbery. But whatever. Uh, prosecutors have charged the men with attempted murder and other defenses offenses. But, I mean, good luck getting them out of Russia. That's probably never going to happen. Who knows what their real names even are, you know? Uh, meanwhile, in Texas, more controversy over school education. The social studies curriculum for 7th graders in Texas learning about the Alamo is controversial because the governor's pissed off because they would like to remove the word heroic to describe those who protected the Alamo. That was among the items included in a report by an advisory panel to the state board, said the Dallas News. As it stands now, curriculum phrasing of the topic is the, quote, siege of the Alamo and all of the heroic defenders who gave their lives there, end quote. However, the word heroic is reportedly described as being value-charged. 
value charged. And the panel has suggested doing away with everything except the Siege of the Alamo. That's great. Yeah, that's the world. Because nothing, you know, you can't, and nothing can be like black and white. Everything has to be shades of gray. Oh, sure. To the people defending the Alamo and to the people of the Texas, it was heroic. But maybe it wasn't to the Mexicans. So therefore, we have to fucking think of all sides here. Every fucking time. Oh, man. What else? Well, I'm depressed again, so you know what that means. I got to turn to one of the topics that I love talking about. And what's that? Well, you guys know I don't miss too many sex robot stories. Let's get in on that. Um, Italy's first sex doll brothel is to offer silicon group sex. That's right. They have released photos from inside Italy's first sex doll brothel showing nearly naked male and female dolls ready and waiting for group action as they lie suggestively on a king-sized bed. <laughs> Just, dude, the pictures are too much. Uh, so they call one of the male sex robots the Alexander model, and it reportedly has a penis that ranges from 13 to 18 centimeters, you guys, and gals, probably both. I'm sure both men and women will use old Alexander for all he's worth. <laughs> and this is the brothel called Lumidolls. Now, Lumidolls already has two successful venues, including the first one they opened in Barcelona and the second one in Moscow. Um, they think there will be a lot of demand because of the strict laws of prostitution in Italy, in the Catholic country. Okay, this is written weirdly, because in one sentence, they say there will be a lot of demand because of the strict laws on prostitution, and then in the next sentence, the owner says, as you know, in Italy, prostitution is 100% legal. You must, it must mean illegal. Again, there's no editing. Nobody edits anymore. And, yeah, they say, they say that they're already um, fully booked for weeks, <laughs> despite just opening. Yeah. Uh, it's the end of days. I guess, I mean, I guess it's fucking working. They're booked. I just don't understand why guys would go to this. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand this new time we live in. This was a fascinating story, too. Did you guys see that uh, they found the original ruby red slippers that Dorothy wore in The Wizard of Oz? Yes, these were the original slippers worn by actress Judy Garland. Uh, they had been missing since 2005 when they were stolen in a smash-and-grab burglary at the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. Well... They've recovered one of the four known surviving pairs. Um, yeah, they they uh, had rewards for these. They offered an initial two hundred and fifty thousand dollar reward. Jeez, that seems like a lot for. I mean, they're not. It's not like they're made of real rubies. It's made of like you know, shiny plastic pieces. I guess the historic stuff. Yeah. And in 2015, an anonymous donor from Arizona offered a $1 million reward. Um, in 2011, law enforcement searched the San Diego home of a man who claimed to have the slippers, but ultimately was hiding the wrong pair. The missing slippers, which were insured for a $1 million, 
have serial numbers and Garland's name scrawled on the inside. Um, I don't know. Well, law enforcement wouldn't fucking give any details on it. I mean, what's the big fucking mystery? Uh, the other three remaining pairs are outside of Minnesota. Uh, they are one is one set is in a private collection. The second one is at the Smithsonian Museum, and the third is at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So they found the fourth. And uh, good, good for you. So we got the big elections coming up, and the gap is wider than ever. Yeah, I, I you know, I know you guys don't want to hear this, but I'm here to tell you, I, I'm here to tell you the world we live in, not the world I wish we lived in. I'm here to tell you what's probably gonna happen, not what I hope is gonna happen. And yeah, they say Democrats now hold the widest advantage in midterm election vote preferences since 2006. And 2006 is when they seized control of both houses of Congress. They now lead their Republican opponents nationally by 52 to 38%. That is a 14-point spread, you guys. And that is a lead that holds up across a range of likely voter models. This is an ABC News Washington Post poll. Uh, 60% of registered voters say they'd rather see the next Congress controlled by the Democrats as a check on Trump than by the GOP. Preference for Democratic control is up eight points from a year ago. Now this reflects Trump's broad unpopularity. As reported Friday, 36% of Americans approve of his job performance. The lowest approval rating for a president heading into his first midterms in polling dating to 1954. Wow. Yeah, blue wave, dude. It's going to happen. I mean, what... Tell you know I, I read all this stuff online like no no it's gonna be a red wave I'm like dude you have fucking zero data and zero evidence both both uh, official data and anecdotal to back that statement up all I'm seeing over and over again is that Democratic con- uh, uh, elect uh, politicians <laughs> sorry I had a brain fart there they're outperforming wildly in every contest they have. So what makes you think? I fully anticipate that it's going to be a total wipeout in 2018 in November for the House. And because you Republicans are staying home, if you fucking showed up in the same numbers that that, that Trump got, then the the Republicans would keep the House. But you're not showing up. I have no sympathy for it, you guys. The fucking whoever shows up wins. That's it. I've said it a hundred fucking times. Uh, India is hunting a man-eating tiger that's being blamed for 13 human deaths. That's crazy, dude. They've used DNA tests, camera traps, and all kinds of other stuff, uh, tiger footprints, to pin at least 13 human killings on a single five-year-old female tiger that seems to have developed a taste for human flesh and has evaded capture a couple times. Experts say it's extremely unusual for a single tiger to have attacked this many people. Now, the irony is that they say this is partially because India's uh, conservation policies. You know, the tiger population was really down and they were on the endangered species list. But thanks to conservation policies, the tiger population is soaring. 
And with the soaring population, these animals are being crowded out in a competition with humans for territories. You know, and tigers are like an apex predator. They have their own territories. So the good news is that we got a lot more tigers than we used to. The bad news is that they're eating people because they have to compete with, for hunting territories. Dude, you couldn't fucking pay me enough to wander out in the woods in India. Fuck no. Uh, how about this? I did tweet this one out at BK Actual as well. <laughs> I love this. Doctors have to invent a new tool to remove a 23-inch sex toy from a man after it got stuck inside him for 24 hours. And, yes, the x-ray. The x-ray is classic. Oh, my God. You see this in the x-ray? So imagine, okay, so you see the x-ray. Imagine the spine. Running up alongside the spine, you see this giant smooth object. <laughs> it's really, it's all the way up there. Holy fuck. Yes, this was, uh, where is this? Is this in England? It's at the Sun, a UK tabloid. Uh, no, it's in Italy. Here we go. So this 31-year-old guy, he's fucking getting banged out with this thing. And he went to a hospital 24 hours after the dildo became stuck. Okay, so clearly he was embarrassed about it, and he didn't want to fucking let the doctors know. He told doctors he was suffering from mild abdominal pain, but other than that, he had no symptoms that were causing concern. Oh, that's funny. So even his anus was fine because he's used to having so much shit shoved in there, I guess. But he had, uh, he had, some, he had some stomach pain. So yeah, x-rays showed this large-sized foreign body in his colon. Now, the funny part is they tried to remove the dildo using standard techniques. That's funny, too. They've had so many of these, they've developed standard techniques. The standard technique is where a tube and a grabbing device is inserted. However, this was the uh, unridged model, I guess, and it was like totally smooth. So none of the tools they had were able to actually grab hold of the sex toy. So uh, the grabbing devices they had were either too loose or simply did not have the range to latch onto such a large foreign body. So the medics invented a new tool uh, using medical wire to latch onto it and pull it out. So they threaded the wire through a catheter tube to create a noose at the end. And then they were able to insert the tube into the man's colon and reach the sex toy. The noose of the wire was then looped around the dildo like a lasso and tightened until the doctors had enough grip to pull it out. And the patient was discharged that same day. How about that? So he's, he's fine. He's good to go. <laughs> uh, guys, I don't... You'd think there'd be like, you know, some sort of um, like bigger part of the end of the device, you know, to prevent it from slipping up inside you. I don't know. Uh, you fucking gay guys, man. You got to be careful. You, you're that's a sensitive part of the body. You just you can't just be jamming shit in there all the time. Come on. I mentioned last week, and I did tweet this out as well, that after the podcast last week, I went to the Del Mar racetrack because they, uh, they have this summer concert series, and I went and saw Slightly Stupid after the races. Now, the last one was the next day on Sunday, and I was going to go see Ice Cube at the track. Well, it's a good thing I didn't go because there was a shooting and it was caught on video. I tweeted it out. You can go check it out. 
But yeah, a sheriff's deputy shot a man on Sunday after he pulled out a gun and fired several shots in the air when he was told he couldn't get a ticket to the sold-out Ice Cube concert. (laughs) This was 22-year-old Daniel Elizaris of Escondido. He had gone to the ticket window around 6.40 p.m. hoping to buy a ticket to the concert and became upset when he was told none were available. So the guy decides to pull out a handgun and fired several shots into the air. So deputies, and I believe it was a female from the video it looked like, they returned fire and shot him. Um, Unfortunately, he is expected to survive. That's too bad. What a fucking idiot, dude. Yeah, and you can hear the announcer on the race. Um... Because the, ra- the horses were still going. And on the racetrack, you hear the announcers going, there's shots fired, there's gunfire at the track, there's gunfire at the track. That's crazy. Uh, now, Ice Cube still did perform, which is crazy. But you know what? It, it cracks me because if you don't know San Diego, like Del Mar is a very, it's a very high-end, wealthy area, right? So I, I could, <laughs> so I could just imagine the old white people who run Del Mar sitting around going, you know what? This is the last fucking time we have a rap concert at Del Mar. It'll be, I can't wait to see their lineup next summer to see if there's any fucking rap acts at all. Cause they had a couple, not only Ice Cube, but like two weeks ago, they had Warren G and DJ Quick. Remember DJ Quick? Yeah. From way back in the day and Warren G. So I'm, now I want to see the lineup for next year because I, I can just see these ancient fossils who run Del Mar going, I don't want any more of these black people here. We'll see. Uh, did you see a Columbus, Ohio police officer had to shoot his own canine partner on Saturday after the dog turned on him? That was fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah, Officer Brian Cardi was verbally correcting his dog, a three-year-old Belgian Malinois, when the dog began biting him. So he had to fucking shoot the dog, and he killed it. That's nuts. I know, I'm just going through these stories quickly now, guys, because we're running out of time. Uh, what else? There's so many. Florida must provide election materials in Spanish, a federal judge has ruled. Yes, because they now have a huge Puerto Rican population and they have to provide ballots in Spanish. And traditionally, they must have provided ballots in Spanish to, uh, to serve that Puerto Rican population. So, I mean, you got to do that. I mean, Puerto Rico is a is uh, they can vote, so they have to have the ballot in the right language. Uh, the first, you know, the NFL kicked off, and the first numbers are not looking good. Uh, they say that the Eagles and Atlanta Falcons matchup in Philly uh, fell 13% from last year, which fell a significant percent from the year before that. So, yeah, you can, the NFL can put on a brave face all they want, but they're, they, they keep having troubles. A deputy would a, a deputy at a school. Oh man, she decided to wake up a sleeping kid with her taser like a fucking moron. Oh, did she? She didn't actually tase him. It did, this story is not written very well. This was in Ohio, and they say they could not wake this kid up. He's probably faking it at a school. And so they called the school resource officer, which is a female police officer. And she reached in her holster, pulled out her taser. Then she removed the firing cartridge and pulled the trigger. The ensuing electric buzz startled the student awake. 
Okay, so so I read, I, I thought she tased the kid, which obviously you should be fired immediately, but she just like, and it's still stupid, don't get me wrong, but it's better than what it sounded like. Uh, the DOJ busted a guy in Oceanside for stealing benefits intended for the widow of a military veteran. Yeah, this guy stole. I don't know how he got a hold of the bank account. Long story short, this, uh, this guy had access to this woman's bank account and she died in 2004, and he never reported her dying. He just kept collecting the money. So he was able to scam the VA out of $150,000. It was intended for this widow who later passed away. That Dallas police officer is to be charged with manslaughter? That fucking shit is crazy. Did you hear about that? This idiot, this female police officer, shot and killed a neighbor after she said she mistook his apartment for her, her own. Okay. Yeah, I want to know what fucking, how drunk were you? This poor guy. This guy was only 26 years old. He's in his own house. The drunken idiot, I'm assuming she was drunk, walked in thinking it's her house, and she sees this guy and she kills him. Fucking horrible. I mean, you should, I, I hope she goes to prison for life for that. Uh, the good grifter stories I love. They arrested a Georgia woman who's 47. Uh, who's being accused of posing as a dentist for six years without a license. <laughs> Dude, I'm fascinated by people who do that shit. You know, pose as something they're not, like, especially as a professional. That's crazy. And just to show you there's no age limit on these fucking clowns, a uh, 75-year-old man was busted in an internet sex sting after trying to entice a teenage girl online. Yes, 75-year-old guy in Queens, New York. 75, he's still doing this. And yes, Joel Einhorn. And yes, once again, you will be shocked to know it was not actually a teenage girl. He was talking to an investigator with the New York State Police Department. Oh, my man from, uh, I have an insider on the New York State Police Department. Hey, my man, if, you hear, if you're listening to this, if you get any of those chat logs, uh, go ahead and send those to me. That'd be great. And on also, they found a... Uh, 60-year-old guy in the Fort Bragg area. He actually worked on the Fort Bragg base, and he was picked up in a Florida child sex thing, so good on you. Uh, two baseball announcers for the Detroit Tigers got into a severe fight with each other. Like, it was bad. These guys are 55 and 58, and they're getting in a fist fight with each other. You'd think guys would, like, chill out when they get older. They really don't. Uh, a 17-year-old girl was held in a fatal shooting of a 15-year-old boy in Santa Ana. That's a crazy story. There's not too many, not too many like female shooters in that case. And they say it sounds like a first-degree situation. Like she planned that shit out, man. Oh God, I have so many stories still, you guys. Seattle business owners are fed up with homeless women po pooping on their property. Well, you know, like I said, you get you you voted for this, okay? You voted for these people. Now you fucking live with it. Yeah, this, they say that uh, there's nothing you can do. Police come, take the homeless person around, and then they come back in an hour and keep shitting right in front of their business. Isn't that? And you can't do anything about it. There's a great picture of the guy who was stung by a stingray on his penis. <laughs> yeah. Where was this? Oh, it is in China, of course. They're All the good ones are in China. 
yeah, this guy was stung by a stingray on his dick, and the creature is still attached when help arrives. And you see this dude laying on the sand with this giant stingray right by him. And he was stung right in the dick. That's messed up. Uh, an army vet's killing leads to the arrest of three in a murder-for-hire plot. Yeah, an army vet was shot dead on Veterans Day last year, and they think he's been killed after he stopped to help a stranded motorist. That's crazy. Hmm. That was 60-year-old Carlos Cruz Echevarria was the victim, sadly. And he had stopped to help a driver who got stuck in the mud. The truck turned out to be stolen, the driver of the truck, and he did not know that the stranded driver he stopped to help was a hitman who was driving to his house to kill him. That's crazy. I wish I had more time to spend on that story, you guys, because that that's a that's also nutty. I keep telling you, fucking don't fuck with the homeless. You guys don't listen to me, and if you do, be ready to fight. A 57-year-old grandfather was brutally stabbed to death by an enraged man high on drugs because he had confronted them. They were in a park. He was attending his granddaughter's birthday party, and this dude was doing a bunch of drugs in front of him. This is in Michigan. Way to go, Michigan. And the guy's like, hey, could you not do your fucking drugs in front of my little fucking granddaughter? And the guy flew into a rage and fucking killed him with a machete-like weapon. He stabbed or hacked at him at least 15 times. That's fucking awful. Wow. Yeah. I recommend against confronting them, but if you're going to do it, you guys fucking better be ready to fight. Yes, uh, I did see the one, the woman who mistakenly lit a stick of dynamite rather than a candle and blew her fucking hand off. (laughs) Why do you have dynamite in your house? (laughs) That's my only question. Uh, Yeah, the the electricity went off and she went to what they thought were candles and it was a stick of dynamite. They don't have any information in this story about why uh, she had a stick of dynamite. Okay, finally, that's fucking it. I'm running out of time, you guys. Um, Let's go to the big finish, and if it is what you think it is, let's see if you guessed right. Here's the headline. Man accused of sexually assaulting dying beaver had meth in his possession, say Washington police. Yes. A woman saw someone hit a beaver with a car, right? So she goes home to find a box to bring the injured beaver to a vet. The beaver is still alive at this point. When she returned the woman found a man next to the animal. At first, she wondered whether he was comforting the beaver. Oh, he was comforting the beaver, all right. He was on top of the beaver with his pants unzipped and his penis out. Richard Delp, 35 years old, was arrested on an animal cruelty charge and shockingly in possession of methamphetamine. That's fucking it. Guys, I'm fucking done. I can't take anymore. Sweating my ass off in here. It's time to go. That's it for me, you guys. Two and a half hours in a row. Fucking who else is doing that shit? Nobody. Hey, seriously, really appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, keep spreading the word about the podcast. Um, it's it's growing. It keeps growing steadily, and it's a, it's kind of a grind, you know, but I, I like it. I don't do a lot of publicity. It's pretty much on you guys to spread the word to your friends. So uh, really appreciate it. It's awesome. And uh, shout out to my man, who my young uh, Marine officer who reached out to me about the TBS story last week. Um, that's good. I love that, you know, all my service members listen to the podcast and you tell fellow service members. It means a lot to me. 
And it's awesome. So that's it, guys. Follow me on Twitter, at BKActual. That will do it for me, and I will see you next week. Now never rest on until I can make my own way. I'm not.